Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's guitar nerds gear of the year. Hello and welcome to the Guitar Nerds Gear of the Year 2019 podcast series. I am your host, Joe Branson, joined this week by Mark Packham. Seventh time. Jay Cross. Seventh time lucky. And Matthew Knight. Tony Blair. (laughs) (laughs) And this is, yeah, this is the seventh Gear of the Year podcast that we've done. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, is is relatively impressive. And and last. And, and last, and, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just end it there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, it. We're actually we are retiring at we, the end of this. We we are actually changing up how we do gear of the year uh, this year. It's going to be a slightly yeah. It's going to be a slightly different format. Mark Packham uh, has has uh, uh, has. I've mandated this. Yeah, you, yeah. you've uh, you've adjusted our our format to make it better. It's like that you've episode. Improved it. you've it's like the in format, that format, format, yeah. format. It's like in that episode of Twin Peaks where uh, Cooper throws rocks at a bottle and uh-huh. uh, whichever one breaks, that's the answer. And We're, so basically, yeah. we are going to tie Joe outside, tie him right. up outside. And we're we've, gonna throw he, guitars. He is, at him. He's naked right now, and we've yeah, yeah. written the things that we are having gear of the year on him. Yep. Yeah. And then we throw rocks at the thing that we want yeah, to yeah. win. And right. whatever whatever hits is, you know, okay. that's what the universe decided. I see. Is that what you signed up for? Yeah. Well, that's fine. Good. Yeah. When's the video going live? <laughs> we can live stream it soon. Oh. Is this why you guys have written "Was air on my pee pee"? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, okay. it is. <laughs> um, anyway. Anyway. So, we, we, so it, changing the rules. They're not. Those are not the new rules. So what we're doing this time around, and the reason that we're doing this is because last year we talked about a lot of gear, but we didn't talk about much stuff in the kind of depth that I think we uh, would like to. And I went back and listened to, I think the second one we ever did when we were at GAC, and what we did on that was we picked like two items each per category and we talked about them a lot and it was super interesting i thought we should go back to something like that what we've also done this year is in some of our traditional categories there hasn't really been enough stuff released that we've kind of tried that sort of stood out to us um which i think is interesting in itself because you know we we last year we brought in best multi-effects yep yeah and we did that because of kind of the abundance of the the large all-in-one switching Amp modeling yeah, products. There were new like, helixes, like the Helix, exactly. Headrush had a new product, and we didn't feel like they would belong in just like best effect pedal or best amp. So they kind of became their own category. Yeah. And I think what's interesting is is when you look back at the fact that we haven't really got any of those products this year. Yeah. And 
it just sort of shows you how kind of the the industry has changed over the last year in that those products aren't being released at the moment. Totally. We couldn't have done this year the categories that we did last year. Definitely not. Absolutely not. And there's also categories, I think, where even last year and maybe the year before, we've kind of struggled to play enough stuff mm, in mm. that category to talk authoritati- authoritatively about it. Authoritatively. Like, well, like... Um, like best based stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. like because there is no best based Well, stuff. well I mean there, there's certainly been less bass stuff. There've been less guitar things. This year is absolutely year of the effects pedal. Well, I been... mean, maybe, or maybe that's just what we're into. Well, yeah, you is know. It, is it but but I mean even our, our listeners poll, our Facebook listeners poll sure. was all all products except for two well there was only seven in there but all but two of them were effects pedals and actually all the stuff that was suggested pretty much was effects as yeah, well the absolutely. stuff that was nominated so yeah. so yeah so we're redoing things how uh, this year um and what we're going to do is the first two days of gear of the year this year we're not going to be deciding uh the winners in each category no what we're going to do is read out basically our favorite things from the year talk about them and then we're going to nominate them for a category. So, for example, I'm going to say, and this isn't uh, one of the things on the list yet, um, but I'm going to say Telecaster, for example. And then I'm going to choose which category that goes in. And the categories being best guitar, best amp. Obviously, it, the, this particular one wouldn't be in that. But the categories all round yes, are yeah. best guitar, best amp, best effects, which can be Stompbox or multi-effects, most useful best looking, best name, most innovative, and best overall product. Now, one item can be in as many of those categories as you think it is applicable Mm -hmm. for. So, for example, I could say Telecaster, just choosing a generic thing. That could go in best guitar, could be most useful, could be best looking, could be best name, although that would be weird. Most innovative, maybe doesn't you know doesn't apply to that. Oh yeah, yeah, and best yeah that product. innovative guitar. <laughs> so what I think is going to happen is probably we're going to say a product, and it's going to end up, I would imagine, in, in a couple of two or three categories. So Telly might be best guitar, um, best looking, and best overall product. Absolutely. And then, so the final three days of the podcast, we're going to go through the categories and pick our one winner. And two runners up out of the things that we nominate for those categories, um, and I think that's going to give us a really solid gear of the year this yeah, year. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, over to you, Joe, because I guess you're you're going to kick off. So, yeah, sorry, so, I wasn't listening I to that bit. What's the uh, what, what, what are we doing? Well, so on on on, <laughs> on, on day kidding, on day one, day one, we're going to talk about our favourite guitars and amps. Mm-hmm. Day two, we're going to talk about our favourite pedals and other things. And Daytona. And then the uh, day three, we're going to decide the first uh, bunch of categories. Absolutely. Day four, the next bunch of categories. And on the last day, I think we'll probably just debate best overall product. Right, wonderful. Well, we're going to we're going to go round the room then, starting with me, and uh, we'll each pick a product in order and talk about that product then and then kind of get the lay of the land, how everyone feels about it and, and what we think, uh, yeah, whether we think it should... Uh, be involved. So, okay, so first up, so I'm going first. I'm going to talk about a guitar as my first product, the Shergold Provocateur. Now, this is Shergold's second guitar. We've given this a little bit of airtime recently because, of course, as we've been contacting brands and asking for things to be sent through for us to try out, we'll point out that we have an absolute room full of gear at the moment. We've been trying out lots of things all uh, all day here. But uh, the Shergold Provocateur, we got sent both of the Provocateurs because they do them in two different pickup formats. The one I'm selecting and putting forward is the SP01SD, which I think is just slightly more versatile. So the other one, the SP02, 
It's a double humbucker. This one has a P90 in the neck and a humbucker in the bridge. Who is it who disagrees with different Me. pickup formats? It's Jay that doesn't really, like this sort of thing. Yeah, I, I've, I have really tried it. I've, I've tried the a lot The guy who loves Telecasters doesn't like when you have two different pickups in the in the neck and bridge. Well, yeah, because a Telecaster is two single coils. And they're still they're different. Two, two Tele pickups. Oh. Oh, Goodness no, sake. No, but that's... I don't understand your... They're very, they're very different sounding pickups. Whilst they're oh, part yeah, of the yeah, same yeah. global different, family, different sounding pickups is fine. But I'm, yeah, maybe that is a little bit arbitrary. I don't know, but, but like I know I, what you're saying. You're saying you've got a P90 in, in one and a humbucker in the other, yeah. and you're not sure about the blend because uh, of the the way that are, yeah. the nature of a humbucker is exactly. so different. And from I really, the I really have been trying to to sort of get on with it a bit more recently because we talked about. I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago. I bought a uh, a, a 72 Tele Custom. Yeah. Deluxe? Yes. Yeah, custom. Custom. Yeah. custom. Yeah, One single, one humbucker. I bought a body recently and I'm yeah. going to turn that oh. into something. Um, a guitar body. Mod a guitar mode. body. Yeah, no, yeah, just yeah. A body. Yeah, That'd yeah. be weird. Mode mod. Mode mod. No, it's not mode mod. I don't I don't sign myself up for that sort of thing, Mark. There's a Patreon tier now. If people hit the Patreon tier, mod mode is absolutely happening. Patreon's been flying, actually, at the well, moment. We're getting close it, to it. It's worrying that it's close yeah. to it because that <laughs> we'll means we actually have to, have to do, do it. it. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Jay. Anyway, you know, I have really been trying to sort of get into the sort of mixed pickup things. Um, and I just, I really struggle with them being so unbalanced. That's that's okay. the concern. And I think maybe a few years ago, it was less of an issue because I only ever would use the bridge pickup anyway. Yeah, but course. I've actually really gotten into the neck pickups uh, just in general. I've got into neck pickups. I think they sound really good. Even Mark brought his SG. I, I, noticed, I noticed this. After yeah, yeah. I started playing the SG after you, I was like, why does this sound rubbish? And I looked down and realised you had it on the neck Yeah, pickup, yeah, yeah. I've moved like, over oh, to that's neck. why it sounds I rubbish. Sound, I thought it sounded really good. <laughs> well, <laughs> this horrible, really flubby low I mean, end. My Mustang on the neck pickup sounds absolutely banging. Your Mustang has the thinnest sounding pickups in the world, so I imagine the neck pickup. Well, yeah, does I mean they're work. Mustang pickups, right, but right, yeah. like Mark's SG, I thought sounded really good, and also you brought one of your Tokai's over. Uh, the Tokai Love Rock. Yeah, and I thought on that again on the neck pickup, I thought it sounded really, really well, good. I actually bought a guitar. Obviously, I bought that Nick Huber, which has got the oh, same course, pickup yeah. configuration. What, so P90 in the neck P90 and the neck humbucker in the, the bridge. bridge. Yeah, which obviously is also was in the old Gibson BFGs, the old Gary Moore yes. signature. Which were great guitars. They sound Big, amazing. friendly guitars. So bringing it back round to the Provocateur SP01. Um, so yeah, other than the pickup format, which I do think makes it incredibly versatile. I love that they... The great thing about Shergold, obviously, it's lovely to have a, kind of a, a, a British guitar company back a bit. You know, we're really sort of thin on the ground for sort of mainstream British guitar companies. So lovely to see Shergold brought back. And of course, you know, um, with Patrick James Eggle behind the brand, I think that's a, a really strong name to have behind them. We really like the Masquerader. It was just the body shape that we weren't 100% into. Yeah. Well, this has a lovely sort of modern-come-classic single-cut uh, shape um, with a cool sort of 70s sloped diagonal scratch plate. This lovely, like, they've gone for Seymour Duncan pickup, so you get that zebra humbucker and that lovely big P90 in the uh, in the neck position. Colours they do are absolutely incredible, yeah, especially the sort of the, the lovely um, uh, Battleship Grey, which is kind of a sort of a misty blue. It's a, it's a, it's a lovely colour. Now, the neck is an interesting thing on here because the same with the Masquerader. On the Provocateurs, they have these hand-inlaid stainless steel sort of uh, inlays, which are, which are long, uh, sort of, uh, I guess, vertical bars that uh, go into the guitar very slim and uh, they, they just look lovely the the original masquerader had a completely rosewood neck and board this time they've gone for a more, more in line with being a single cut style guitar it's a mahogany neck to match the body and then a, a rosewood board but the neck is absolutely the chunkiest baseball bat neck i have i've played in a long time it was 
absolutely huge and that on this lovely sort of short scale single car i just i was like yeah this is this is a thrower like you can throw this guitar around it's gonna sound great it's kind of made really well but without the expensive price tag 829 pounds i I must admit this is a kind of guitar i wish i had kicking around when i worked in music stores that i could offer as an alternative to people sits cheaper than a gibson but more expensive than an epiphone but feels like a guitar that should be almost double the money i yeah. i think they could get away almost being 1599 people wouldn't bat an eye i kind of price. agree i think if this was 1200 pounds i'd be saying exactly the same things positively yeah, about yeah, it I, I at agree. 1500 quid i'd be kind of like now this is a premium guitar for what it is but but certainly at 829 it's unbelievable that it's this value i love the headstock i think they've nailed the headstock shape which i think is very yeah. difficult for new brands to do yeah um you know i love especially on the battleship gray one you get the uh you get like the the cream tuning pegs which looks great i love the stamped headstock logo the shergold shield which they have sort of embossed into the headstock there everything about its win for me i love the bridge bridge is a, a custom made by shergold with the brass saddles I, I just i can't fault a thing about this guitar it's very cool and it's played by the guys from Ensel, which is from afar yeah. and i heard them live and it sounded amazing yeah uh, the only single design choice i would potentially make is i actually prefer the um see-through dirty blonde i think that's the right. best color okay. yes there are some fantastic um, colors the bridge pickup is all black and i would prefer the zebra because yeah. scratch because it's kind of like a white color with a black scratch plate i think it would look cool with a zebra pickup yeah um but i, I honestly i can't fault these guitars i mean when we had the like you said when we had the masquerades before and we reviewed them i thought they were great the fact that they all come into the uk gets up by patrick eggle and his team yeah i just think that's a killer guitar i, and I think it's a, an amazing option you know two seymour duncans pearly gates which is one of my favorite yeah. seymour duncan pickups i made one mistake on the spec by the way it's an ebony fingerboard i said yeah yeah a minute ago yeah um, I, I sorry, just bringing up the Masquerader. I I much prefer the Provocateur to the Masquerader. Yeah, Me too. It's a I much better shape. It is it? a much better shape. I mean, I I think that the 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 Masquerader just I don't know. There was something about it that I never quite got on with. Right. It, it was a little bit too. It was that seventies British just, guitar body shape, and every yeah. well, is it, that like it, it had some lovely premium features? Yes. Yeah, so, so the Masquerader was based on the original. It's an shirt original shape, yeah, yeah. It, like the, a seventies shape. Uh, I'm not sure they were seventies. No, 60s. no, I think they were later. I think oh, they were really? like eighties. Um, oh, okay, I fine. Can confirm that. Yeah. Oh. I've literally got but their certainly, website open right certainly now. the original Shergold stuff was obviously operating at like the entry level sort of British made alternatives to Fender at the time. So they they were all, you know, late late 70s, early 80s right. the original run. And they kind of feel like that original shape reminded me of that. That sort of time period of really very heavy, quite cheaply made uh, you know, sort of throw around guitars like that that was that was what that masquerade reminded me of even though all the features were incredibly premium i was like man of all the things you could keep about shergold maybe this body shape wasn't the one <laughs> whereas this provocateur i think is a fantastic shape certainly a popular shape by today's standards as well with some really nice modern features even that little the the contour is almost a german carve which would have been great but not quite the sort of the 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 contour they have on the upper bow of the body is is lo- like everything about this guitar i think is like I mean, this is gear of the year, I guess. Fault this guitar for me, because I can't. I think it's absolutely on the money. So my only criticism, um, as a comparison to the Masqueraders, I obviously I much prefer this body shape. This this single cut is is much more kind of in line with the things that I like, because uh, you know I'm not. Uh, 
I, I love kind of Les Paul Juniors and that kind of thing. Exactly, so yeah. this falls in line with that. The only thing I will say is I did prefer the neck profile and the construction of the neck on the Masqueraders right. that we had. The rosewood neck was very cool. I do agree. Mahogany neck on a bolt-on is always a tricky thing, not I think. I, I think not even that. I just, the, you know, that rosewood, I really love like a solid rosewood neck. Yeah. Like the feel of them is so yeah, good. You got yeah. that nice open grain. It was a satin finish. Um, on it, this, this felt much more like a traditional, you know, mahogany neck. If, if they did uh, like a limited edition version with a rosewood neck. I mean, absolutely. This, yeah. I absolutely. Mean. But that is literally the only thing that I'll say about it. Much right. further body shape. I thought, I think the pickup configuration is fantastic. As Matt says, pearly gates, amazing. They've got those big brass saddles on there. Really, really nice. Simple control out, volume tone and three-way switch. Um, yeah. I mean, they've, in terms of the looks, they've absolutely nailed it so yeah. much such a big step up from from the masqueraders um and yeah that big sort of 70s scratch plate yeah fantastic i think the only yeah. thing is not enough people can get their hands on these i think Why that's not? the only thing because you just don't see them in as many stores as you I see i guess that is a shame they, but that's not that's not the fault that's no, not no, something I, that should I, get the guitar less. no no i just I, I just think it's a shame that these probably fly under the radar for most people simply because you don't see them as much as you see other guitars yeah I think, maybe you know, this is a real nice, a real nice option, alternative option for people. I guess the, the the one thing would be that certainly because the neck is is literally one of the chunkiest necks I have ever played. Yeah, I can see that not being for everyone. Not that I necessarily think that's a reason for this not to have any have any points because I, I do find the sort of the uh, the sort of neck profile that's appropriate for most people is just like a little bit nothing. It's a little anemic. It's a bit like. Here's another guitar that feels this like is, a guitar. This feels like a provocateur. It's, it's def- got identity. It's definitely a choice. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't just go for this if you were just like, yeah, I just want like a normal net profile. It's like, I want a chunky yeah, profile. But, it's super you know, comfortable, though. But, really nice. But, I mean, you know, the most popular Gibsons have always been 58s and 59s, of course, yep, which have got right. the biggest Huge necks. necks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, you know, I, so, like everybody harks back to the old no-caster necks. It's exactly only, the same, isn't I it? Only, I guess I meant on a, on, on the, the sort of argument for identity in a guitar. If you think that the DK24 won last year, yeah. that, that guitar doesn't really have an identity it's just a bit of everything like it was just like a um maybe here's a here's a, oh, a no. roasted neck because roasted necks are popular here's a satin finish because you know satin finishes oh, yeah, are kind of put in it all moment. together though. the neck profile was sort of in the middle we're kind of making that in the middle everything's around sort of this concept of versatility it was sort of an every man's guitar yeah but 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 I don't, i'm not sure you could blind test a, a dk24 and know you were playing it the provocateur doesn't feel like anything else yeah that's what i'm saying it, it it's it will be like a choice to go for yeah. that you'd like Pick that and go, yeah, that is a chunky neck. That is what I'm into. Whereas yeah. something like, yeah, the, I mean, most other guitars on the market are like, oh, this neck suits most people. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like you say, it could be divisive among yeah. some players. Yeah. So it's just bold. we should bear that bold in mind. Choice, but, but great guitar that, yeah, all around. Fantastic. Absolutely. And like you say, price-wise, sits somewhere above like a top of an Epiphone range, um, but is like couple hundred pounds cheaper than something like a Les Paul Studio. I know, and, and, and Les Paul Studio was the go-to guitar for so long. Yeah. And it was like you didn't have another choice. Now it feels like yeah. you've genuinely got something that, you know, as well for, I think nowadays a lot of people want something that isn't what everyone else is playing. Well, exactly. And you get, you're getting that this is something a bit different. Just, you know, but by the fact that you're playing a Shergold, like this is such a relatively unpopular guitar, but it has heritage, yeah. you know, as well. It's it's a cool alternative, I think. Do you know what? Just quickly on that, before we move on to, to my first choice, um, there's a uh, fellow in Brighton who Jay and I know who's running this Instagram account of like old punk photos. Right. And one of the things, and they're from what, probably mid 80s to mid 90s? No, it's more like late, uh, late, uh, like, uh, late 80s through to early 2000s. Of, yeah, 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 
yeah, yeah. The thing that strikes me about those photos is like hardly anyone are just playing like Fender and Gibson. There's like loads of weird guitars in there. Yeah, like, well, things like Shergold, original Shergolds and stuff yeah. like that. And I kind of feel like we're kind of getting back to that now, where there's like tons and tons of choice. Yeah, not just like okay, if you're an indie player, you play Fender. If you're like a rock player, you play Gibson. If you're a metal player, you play Jackson, Ibanez and, yeah. and, and uh, those types of guitars. Now it's like, okay, there's like, if you want a Les Paul, there's like tons of affordable choices. And if you want a Fender guitar, uh, you know, there's there's other things you can play, but the Fenders are great as well and Gibsons are still really good. And there's just like loads and loads of options for things people can uh, Saturate it. Well, I think it, it does sort of come down to, you know, you think about who who was playing those guitars in the nineties. And, you know, it probably was these punk bands that we're, that we're seeing photos of. They probably were just playing kind of whatever it was that they could totally. buy. Yeah, yeah. You know, whereas net, you know, then over the next 20 years or so, Fender and Gibson kind of established themselves as the dominant players yeah. within guitar shops. So that's just what was easy to buy. Yeah. And I guess over the last few years, people have sort of gone, okay, well, you know, I want to try something a little bit different. And that's, that's why you've got so many of these other, other shapes coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. So speaking of alternative brands, Mark well, Packham. It, indeed. So um, if you remember a few years ago on, gear of the year one of the guitars that you brought up was an eastman i think one of the 335s maybe yeah. like 335 style guitars yeah. um and i said that it wasn't for me um because i just wasn't really into the style of it and i was i was yet to be convinced by eastman um have since then having gone back i absolutely love those guitars those hollow bodies guitars but the thing that blew me away this year from their range uh, was the sb56 NGD, um, the NGD being uh, Nitro Gold. So SB56 is a, I guess, a single cut style guitar, um, much more reminiscent of you know like a you know a thick a full bodied kind of Les Paul standard rather than the Sher Gold, I guess, which is more kind of Les Paul Junior style. Um, uh, with P90s, so that's where the 56 comes from. This is, I guess, uh, inspired by a 56 Les Paul. Um, very, very high quality guitar. Incredibly so, well so put together. You know a bit more about the kind of origins of Eastman than me. So yeah, the Chinese factory, Beijing. Yeah, they're uh, originally um, uh, originally violins and that sort of nature yep. of strung instruments. So so a company that's come across from building something that requires such incredible sort of <laughs> you know detail, buildsmanship, yeah, yeah, yeah. and and and, uh, and a high skill level moved over to to making first sort of initially hollow bodies and and yeah this is the first solid body that they've they've introduced and they've been sort of gibson-esque in in style throughout most of their models they have some really original hollow bodies as well sort of in in the lineup but yeah what we're talking about is incredibly well built guitars but because they are essentially coming out of china even though they're coming out of like a you know a, a, a custom shop factory because they are coming up of china they're not coming with the sort of price tags that you would pay for a normal custom shop instrument so these these ones for example are sitting at around 1800 yeah pounds. i think kind of uh the street price that i was seeing is like 17.69 yeah. uh pound price um so just to talk a little bit more about it so um yeah two p90s in there i don't know do they use their own pickups no, sorry, uh, Lola pickups. 
Lollum in this case. That's really nice. Yes, they use Seymour Duncan on a on a lot of their other things. Yeah, yeah. Actually. So I think probably some of the stuff with Humbuckers has got Seymour Duncan's in it. But yeah, they're Lola P90s in here. Um, looks like they're custom wound for this guitar. Um, but it's all the things that you'd imagine. So you've got uh, one piece mahogany neck. Uh, you've got mahogany body, uh, carved maple top, ebony board, which is interesting. Um, and certainly looks and feels fantastic. Um, a big thing for me always with these kind of inspired by, you know, S or LP shaped guitars um, is the headstock. And actually the Eastman headstock oh, is really, really nice. Really uh, you good. Know, they've not, oh, that's the only thing it's I don't open, like. Really? Uh, it's no. open book enough. It's simple. I love a simple it just looks three a bit, by what, three. In the picture I'm looking at, it just looks a bit wide. Really? A bit, oh, a bit too, they, a bit it, too it is, uh, paddle-like. Really? Okay, that's See, weird. I, I like a, a wider headstock. I always think that's the... The, the a kind of uh, you know a, a positive. Um, I, I mean, uh, for me, yeah, the headstock is it perfectly acceptable. When yeah. a lot of these uh, kind of inspired by guitars have headstocks that I'm not really into, but back this, of the body and back of the neck are a lovely like hand sort of oiled finish. Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly that. And it, you know, it wasn't kind of too uh, sticky. It wasn't too satin, but it also wasn't too heavily lacquered on there. So uh, feel wise on the neck, lovely. Um, it's regular, just controls. It's four way. You know, there's nothing particularly complicated about this. It's just you're this is just a very high quality fifty six style Les Paul. Exactly that. Um, yeah, but for not mega money. So like I said, yeah. like 17, 6, 9 roughly. Um, and yeah, there's nothing else really to say about it. I mean, it was like classic P90s, you know, it's a Les Paul, but it's a bit brighter. It's a bit more snappy. If you've ever pay, played a kind of Les Paul standard shaped guitar, but with P90s, you know roughly what this sounds like. It's, um, um, it's, it's a blues it's, machine. It's interesting because Gibson don't obviously do make guitars of a similar spec. Yeah. But obviously when you look at this guitar at face value, you've got to think... What's it going to give me over a Gibson? Yeah, but then actually, when you read well, the specs, about about two grand in your back pocket, mate. Yeah, I mean that is one thing. That's the one. That's one thing that's going to make someone want to switch because obviously most people are going to walk into store and go, "I want to buy a '56 Gibson." Well, so I, you've got to make a great guitar to make people want to make that move. I think there's there's two things like this. You know, you either see it from that perspective or you see it at the kind of um, you know someone who's maybe hovering around a kind of Les Paul studio or something like that can't quite go to a standard. Um, yeah. It's another option for them. You know, it's, it means that you can get that style of guitar, gold top and P90s. Um, it just comes from a different brand. So yeah. I like to think of it as, you know, adding... It's not necessarily going to put people off buying, you know, custom shop 56 guitars, because I think those people will probably still of want course. Gibson on the yeah, headstock. But very it's, much. it's what you get for the price point. It gives opens you up another option. Level. This is probably around the top end of the amount of money I would want to spend on a guitar at the moment. How much was that? Um... Yeah, excluding the ES175, this is <laughs> this is around the, the, the most amount of money that I'd want to go, okay, I'm going to buy a new guitar. How much money do I think yeah. I can probably put aside within a reasonable amount of time to buy a new guitar? And this is absolutely the top end of that. But it opens me up to being able to buy things that I'd have to... I'd have to save the price save for, for, yeah, for yeah. much, much longer yeah, to yeah. get. And, and and I just don't feel like I don't even feel like I'm taking a hit on the name. I think Eastman are such a well respected and brilliant company yeah. that that there's just there's no downside for me for this. I have to say, it it really was when when I tried this, it was really eye opening for me. Yeah. I, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. And I, I have always been one of these people who's a bit of a a bit of a snob when it comes to the names, partly because I'm like, oh, well, you know, and I know that we always take the piss out of people for saying this, but it's like, oh, resale value, resale value, blah, blah, blah. I don't think you really have to worry about it with with um, Eastman. And honestly, I just think the guitar was so good that it, w- it, it would be worth 
the you know the risk to a certain degree. Mm, the guitar yeah. was fantastic. I kind of feel with Eastman as well. Like when you talk about resale value, it's normally when we're talking about things that are like hand built and yeah, you know sure they're loads of money, but you've built it to your exact spec, yeah. which always hammers the resale value. With this, Eastman are firstly they're a well enough known name, but also they don't do too many models, so I think it's like quite focus particularly on the solid bodies you know there's not that many available um you know if you're looking at the vintage nitro guitars they make you've got the 56 and then the 57 which is basically the humbucker mm, it's yeah. like the black beauty version um so yeah so that would be absolutely one of the best guitars i've tried this year the other thing about it super lightweight like very very easy to wield yeah um, I mean, it's not super lightweight it's lightweight for a les paul uh, yeah sorry i i I, th- I seem to remember it being pretty heavy no i think it it felt to me, it felt like manageable for a Les Paul. That's sure. what I mean. I think it was... When uh, I say super lightweight, I don't mean... mean under 10 pounds. I don't mean park a fly kind <laughs> okay, of yeah, weight, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, like, a good Les you Paul You don't have weight. to nail it down to the floor. Probably like, yeah. It's probably like a, an eight-pound sort of guitar. That's cheap. Yeah. Um, the uh, <laughs> I, I tell you, the without wanting to sort of, uh, you know, shoot away from Eastman too much, mm-hmm. uh, the, the thing that I think about this is them along with like Maybach I think are another company who are doing very very good guitars along these sort of lines and the Maybach do a similar guitar that I'd I'd really like to try Um, it's similar sort of price similar sort of uh, spec and everything but because we saw we saw the Maybach stuff at a couple of guitar shows last year or year before or whatever but um I just think it's I think this this show code is absolutely fantastic it's really really good can I say before we move on Joe you didn't actually put your guitar in any categories Oh, sorry, I I didn't realise I'd do that now. So, Shergold um, Provocateur is it? I assume it's going in best guitar. I I think the Shergold Provocateur should absolutely be. I, in, I uh, do best you guitar. want to add it to any other categories? Is it best looking? I was going to say it should go in best looking. I think it's a great I, the guitar. I I don't agree. I think it looks better than the uh, the Eastman. Well, this is okay. This is really where, yeah. Oh yeah, I'd have the Shergold over the Eastman. Well, definitely. if 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 Matt thinks so, then I'm willing to pop it across okay. in there anyway. Just well, I mean, it's not going to win best looking because I think there's other things that are better. But. <laughs> How do we feel about best name? Oh, it's a good name. Provocateur. I'll tell is you a what. Great tell you name. what. Because cool because for best looking, if an, if another guitar was going to go in there, I actually think Jay's what Jay's well, going to suggest wait, wait, now wait. is. Yeah, is let's, let's, so do you think gonna say what it is was, it going to so. perform well in best looking or not? That's your decision as to whether you put it in the category. Do you or know? Not. What? I think it's cool. I don't necessarily think it's going to win best looking. So. Um, the Provocateur is a fantastic name. Though. I think it's probably I, got I a better mean, name than I, looks, but I I'm, do like the way it looks. I'm not sure about that because, you know, when you compare it to what we've just been talking about, the Eastman SB56NGD, <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, a much yeah, better yeah, name. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Catchy, memorable. Yeah, um, sure. And the big question, is it going to go into the pool for best overall product? Um, Has it got the power to win? I, I kind of feel the way you've laid it out, the best overall product should be the first column. Um, it's the most powerful yeah, yeah, column. Yeah, okay. We'll put it in the last column. Um, okay, I'm, I am going to put it in the best overall okay, product. I'm giving it. I'm giving it all of those. Oh, okay, so I reckon, I reckon, I reckon Joe's going to put everything into. I probably will. Everything but everything that he, he chooses is going to go into. Uh, gen- well, best see, the thing is, product. we're selecting what category it should be just after I've spent like ten minutes talking it up maybe to myself. Sh- so maybe like, we should yeah, say that you can only put three products into into that. But but anyway, otherwise you could just say that everything should go. Everything's best product. Let's let's see how it goes. Three products each into best overall product. Let's. Okay. Limited to that, because that means you've got to make decisions. Well, Joe, it, Joe's it, had one. That's one of Joe's spots taken up. Yeah, yeah. that gives yeah. us that gives us twelve products at the end. Yeah, yeah, and then we can narrow it down to three. So, um, SP fifty six. I'm going to put in best guitar, um, unsurprisingly, because I think it is fantastic. Um, so it's going best guitar. Um, I'm also going to put it in best looking. How about that? 
Yeah, by all means, it's a very, very nice guitar. Am I going to put it in best overall product? I'm going to wait. Okay. I'm going to hold on to my three for the moment. Okay. So, Jay Cross, we're coming back to you with your uh, your guitar of choice. Yeah. So, the first guitar that I wanted to talk about was um, a brand who we have spoken a little bit about over the last year or so. Um, I think they maybe even at one point featured in one of your old uh, brand of the week slots. The original brand did. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sort of out of nowhere, Harmony came back to life. Another brand back from the dead. Yeah, absolutely. Just like Shergold. Yeah, and Harmony came out with uh, a number of guitars earlier this year, but the one that really took, caught my eye was the Silhouette, uh, which is their kind of like big offset looking guitar. Yeah, the um, sort of jaguar offset. That, that yeah. kind of thing, yeah. Uh, with uh, gold foil uh, mini humbuckers Ugh. and uh, like a really nice looking bridge. And uh, we thought, wow, okay, that's you know, that's fantastic. We saw the price, twelve hundred dollars. Wow, what a great guitar! You know, these must be, uh, you know, Harmony have obviously signed some sort of licensing deal, and they're they're a company, a brand is making these in 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 South Korea or in in China, and you know, they're they're setting them up in America. But that's not the case at all. These guitars are actually being made out of the Kalamazoo factory, the original Gibson wow. factory up in Michigan. And the spec is fantastic. So as well as having that really cool looking body um, and uh, those those gold foil style mini humbuckers, uh, which actually are their own proprietary humbuckers. So right. it's not like they are, have got, you know, just somebody else's humbuckers and put those in there. It's also got a nitro finish. Um, and, you know, to have all of that in a guitar that's 1200 bucks, yeah. that just seems absolutely fantastic and to me. Harmony are one of those brands that people love as well. They were like the pawn shop guitar that, that people love. Like, you know, you had uh, Annie Clark from St. Vincent was playing them. Um, ben Howard plays a, play, plays a silhouette, actually. He has a, uh, he's left-handed and he has a right-handed one that he just plays upside down. Oh, okay. Uh, which is very cool. But, um, yeah, they're, they're kind of one of those those that sort of cheap Sears style brand that everyone loved just because they were kind of cool and throw around. They're now back and they're actually they're American made and incredible yeah. quality. So we've got all that cool stuff that we love them for now built really well. Yeah. And I mean, I've never been a huge fan of many humbuckers. Now that is something that I've always, you know, kind of made abundantly clear, but these actually sound fantastic. They sound really good, really ringy, chimey. And uh, they, I, I tell you where they seem to have really found a home is in this kind of um, like ambient pedal nerd uh area of of um of the internet right sure. uh so um mark johnson on instagram i don't know if you follow him he runs like an ambient uh ambient pedal instagram channel as well i think it's called like ambient sounds or something like that right. he uses one on all of his demos and it just it sounds amazing it really really sounds amazing that kind of clear crisp chiminess just works so well with people who are trying to do kind of weird ambient stuff yeah and uh yeah i i i, I think these guitars look amazing lovely uh, color range as well yeah so three main three colors available so there's um the main one which they they're kind of like uh pushing on all of their uh all of their marketing is the slate color, which is kind of a 
like a charcoal frost without nice. it being metallic. Yes, yeah, it's, lovely. it's a um, lovely color, like and, a really dark blue gray sort yeah. of thing. But... And then there's pearl white, which is lovely, yeah. and uh, and also champagne, Champagne's which is really. One. Uh, it's not really. Oh, I mean, it's not for you. Is no, it? Oh, no, okay. not at all. Not at all. I like, really of like course the champagne. You, of course, you're. Already, I really like champagne. <laughs> I really I like red wine I as well. <laughs> 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 um, talking about glue earlier. <laughs> um but yeah i so the uh the harmony for me is is just a really really lovely looking guitar really really cool and uh and yeah to um to sort of push it into one or two of the categories i would say certainly best looking because i I think it's absolutely uh, it's an it's an absolute banger whether it can go into um best guitar i think is difficult just because we haven't i mean i, I don't think any of us have played this one in particular no. uh, i've watched a bunch of videos and it sounds great but i'm not sure what they've got in terms of distribution over here nothing uh as far, nothing as, at as, far all? as i can tell there's no one in the uk that's got them really yeah right okay well that is um, bizarrely enough show. though i've done a lot of guitar shows this year and i've seen them at every guitar show and really? somehow it always seem to be right next to our booth oh right maybe they're that's part of the contract they're like got to be near got to be near boss got, matt and I might be matt, there he might be there He's the bloody best. So, you know, I'm not sure <laughs> that's actually part of the. Uh, that's that's a selling point now for guitar shows is they can charge a bit more to be next to right. Matt, yeah. Matty Knight. But what's what is really interesting is that just they are stri- instantly striking. I yeah, think. you know, whenever you see them on the booth, you're like, "Wow, they look cool!" And I mean, you walk past thousands of guitars at guitar shows. Yeah, yeah. Is the silhouette a? Is that a model that was a? Is that an original? An original, yeah. Like from the sixties, yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Right, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's fantastic. They've really nailed that kind of, uh, f- you know, future vintage uh, style. So that for me, I think, I, I definitely put it in best looking. I don't know about you guys, whether whether you, you'd yeah, put it. In. It's, I, it's I think, t- I think for me, it is the best looking guitar this year. I'll it's, probably yeah, it's be t- that's not what I'm going to be pushing, but yeah, it's tough to say best guitar because none of us tried it. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. It can certainly. Going best looking, yeah, I think absolutely so. fantastic looking guitar, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. Cool, good. Well, oh, this is, we, we seem to be yeah, very jovial. Yeah, that's because the, the first two episodes are us just talking about stuff that we like. It's not saying no, yeah. this one that I like is better than that one that yeah. you like. Which, right yeah. now, we're just being sort of yeah, sure, yeah, mate. yeah, yeah, yeah no, nice, no nice, nice, whatever you think. Yeah, really, <laughs> really setting each other up for a fall, like. <laughs> so um, I'm going to go in um, to talk about one of the, the big boys out there in the world of uh, of instruments. And actually, I did get to try one of these, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, was the American Ultra Strat, the three single coil version. The Fender. Oh, wow. The three single coil one. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and mainly because the thing that's, that struck me, first of all, obviously, was the colour. So I tried the Cobra Blue, which yeah. I think is one of the best new colours I've seen in a long time on a guitar. And I don't think the pictures ever do it justice. Are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> um, Didn't you, we have a blue one here? We, we, yeah, yeah. I thought it looked amazing. You, you liked it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I'm I not think... normally a fan of blue guitars, but I think that looked... I, the I, pictures, normally, the pictures I normally do am not a fan of blue guitars, but yeah, this hasn't quite got me, the, this blue. But no, in, no, that's nothing... Yeah, in, terms of, in terms of uh, the colours on these, 
the the one for me absolutely is the Texas T. So again, that doesn't really come through on the doesn't really come through on the uh, on any pictures, but it looks incredible. That's the sparkle sunburst, isn't it? No, is so Texas not? Texas T is the uh, it's like when you look at it on the internet, it just looks black, but there's like uh, a gold yeah. and maybe yeah. a green undercoat or something. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not yeah. really sure how they've done it, but every time every way you look something at it, weird in the light, it really it? goes it really goes weird. So actually, one of my uh, one of my colleagues just bought one well he bought the uh the jazz bass right. but he bought it in texas t and he had it delivered into the office and it just looks absolutely incredible yeah, yeah it's a absolutely cool color incredible. but i really like the natural order that you get in this in in this track because you get you get it with a torque guard and i've always been a sucker for this yeah. sort of natural and torque for- it just needs a big headstock code doesn't it like, oh, that's, yeah. oh so, no you ruined so, it for me yeah now. yeah it's yeah. so 70s yeah, so like yeah. i think without that big headstock it's just like oh nearly there yeah um but yeah we should probably talk a little bit about more than the color yes um, oh, oh yeah sorry so um it's a very guitar nerds conversation that for me i think this was a real smart move from fender because they're kind of although you know fender always make great guitars they've been under attack from you know sir anderson like all of these like and even like yeah. the charvels that we talked about last year you know all of these amazing quality super strats as it were um you know really high spec really modern playing for kind of that like huge boom in like people you're seeing out there like nolly and like pliny and all these like modern like metal players that are doing super clean and super distorted um but need something that you know plays really smoothly but a lot of people still want fender on the headstock you know, Fender is still that massive selling point to people. And I think this is feels like their first move into something that is is the of like ultra modern version of their kind of range of classic instruments. So there's a couple of things that really stood out for me. One, I really like the fretboard radius, so ten to fourteen. Oh, that's that's cool. Which I don't I think is that. something that's been done on Fender. I can't remember before. if it was on the not very Fendery. I think the deluxes were nine and a half to 12 yeah something like that so but i think that's the thing is you know again i think they're, they're they are looking for the modern player i don't think this is the strat for someone who wants a strat like yeah. a really classic sounding strat you've got n- upgraded noiseless pickups yeah i think slimming the electronics down was nice so it's got the s1 but it just adds the neck pickup in in any position i think that's the the sound that everyone really wants and then for me, it was the actual contouring of the body and the neck profile reminded me of the Charvel. It reminded really, me of right. that super smooth, easy to play, great access to the top end. Just like... So it's got I, a contoured heel, hasn't it, this one? Yeah. It's, it's got like a redesign. The yeah. whole back um, position is almost like... Wow, completely yeah, it's, it's completely scooped out as well, isn't it? Yeah, and okay. it just it just felt like the best playing Fender. You know, and, and not like I'm not buying a strap because I'm like, I want... Jimi Hendrix or I want Steve yeah. Ray Vaughan I want something with Fender on the headstock that's super clean to play super easy to play but has got all the sort of modern features to it this is definitely a Fender for people who like the look of Fenders but not how Fenders play yeah, yeah it's, it's, totally. it, it's it's the the alternative option to people who only buy Sirs Tom Anderson's yeah. and all of these other high-end superstars yeah, that making out right. the thing that I think is really clever about it is that you know in the past the elites have generally been you know a few like hardware upgrades and different colors over let's say the American stand not even just the elites but like the deluxes American yeah. deluxe it was just kind of like yeah it's got the noises pickups and yeah it's got some fancier colors and they look a bit more bling generally whereas this there's like a definite 
different philosophy around like why would you buy this over a pro well it's because it's got more modern neck profile it's got the different radius it's got the noises pickups mm. it's got the contoured heel which makes a you know a big difference and there does seem to be like a definite reason for these guitars to exist whereas i think in the past we've kind of gone yeah why do the deluxes exist yeah and yeah, i mean it always i think felt like the the choice that you never really wanted to have to make. Yeah, worth- and I, you know, again, we've always been very open about the fact that the deluxes, the elites, and before them, the deluxes just weren't really for us. You know, they yeah. were they were a bit too clinical. They, you know, it just it didn't feel like there was enough of an upgrade from an American Standard or American Pro, like you say. Well, I think the problem before was, you know, you'd buy one of those if you were if you had if you wanted a Strat but you had a bit more money, yeah. you'd be like, oh, I've got a bit more money. Maybe I'll look at the Deluxe, for example. Yeah. And then when you actually like plug them both in, you kind of go, yeah, I'm you know, I'm just playing like low gain, kind of like bluesy stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, these pickups aren't really for that. I, especially, th- I think back, whenever I had this conversation, I think back to working in the shop in kind of like 2013 or so, when someone would come in and they'd say, look, I've got about 1,500 quid to spend on a guitar. I really want to try these American deluxes, and people would always end up walking away with an American standard yeah. because they were they were so so good. And you know, one thing for me, and I've got to say, this is—I mean, maybe this is a, a broader thing for the whole ultra range. Just the artists that Fender got on board to play. So yeah. you've got Gina Gleason who plays in Baroness, Corey Wong's like amazing, you know, funk player, Ariel Posen, like all of these amazing players, just like. Yeah, and all of them playing it, they just sound amazing. Yeah. The, you know, there were players, players that otherwise, I guess, I mean, what's like someone like Ariel Posen been using before that? He's been using that sort of well, uh, yeah, that he, he uses a, yeah, steel guitar. It's, you know? a, oh, it's a baritone yeah. stainless steel. Yeah, that, okay, steel. That's, that's a bit of a different case. Yeah. But, the, you know, I kind of associate that kind of, that type of player, uh, not necessarily him, but like, you know, someone who's kind of more famous in the guitar world than they are in the kind of broader mm. sense. You know, recently I've kind of associated those players with, you know, things like, yeah, like you say, Sir or like Stramberg and stuff like that. These real kind of modern spec guitars um, and to get some some of those, those types yeah. of players on board. Um, that's kind of what these guitars are for. I think it's 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 Fender realising that other people are trying to make a better Fender. So they're like, can't out Fender a Fender, mate. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. Matty, I don't mean to I don't mean to throw you under the bus here a little bit because I, I completely agree I think the ultra series as a whole is is just such a step up from anything that's been available over that kind of American standard American pro price point before and to the point where it makes sense I just think you've chosen the wrong guitar because for me the one in the series is the jazz master the ultra jazz master has basically all the stuff that you've you've said there but it is a jazz master and it's like there aren't there aren't really anybody there isn't really anybody doing that guitar in that spec. You know, are there Sir Jazzmaster style there is guitars? A, there is actually a Sir Jazzmaster, which I didn't like. Uh, right, which I okay. saw at NAMM last year. And actually, bizarrely enough, for me, the Jazzmaster feels like the one... I don't know, maybe there are a few... Like I said, Gina Gleason from Baroness is, is playing one. Yeah. And their new record is is much more Fender heavy. And I think you right. can hear that. Well, because John, John Dyer Baisley was a... GNL before that. Well, no, but yeah. he was on the American Pro yeah, marketing, maybe. I think. And um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that it's just, it takes it... Jazzmaster feels more traditional where Strat Shapes have been so used or S-Star has been yeah. so used. It feels like a little bit more like you can modulate it more where the, the jazz master feels a bit more like 
You shouldn't touch that yet. Yeah, well, yeah, but isn't but that, isn't the, that the point, step. though? Isn't that the point? Well, yeah, is that it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, pushing it just a, that little bit further than you would have expected. I kind of think, though, that, like, the strats suits those upgrades more. I know what you mean. Like, it's cool to push the Jazz Master. Yeah, there, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. the one that I think is more kind of relevant right now is the strat Fair to, to get these upgrades. Yeah, yeah. For me, I would have said HSS for the, uh, for the one you know, that I chose. I was going to say HSS, but only because I played the three single okay. and I love the way it sounded. That's the one that I wanted to go for. So, so the, just, on, just on that HSS, yeah. that, uh, so traditionally that's always had the coil split yeah. as opposed to having the, the S1. So this has got the double, this has got an upgraded version, well, not a redesigned version of the double tap, yeah. which is a pickup that came in the American Performer, yeah. which is the one where it's like, it's, got a mixture of splitting and tapping so that when you go from the like the neck pickup down to a split single coil in the bridge pickup you don't lose any of the mm. yep. any of the single it, it sounds it sounds fantastic um, i'm just not really an hss person categories map so this is this is a weird one for me cuz obviously we can see what else we're going to talk about and i'm like <laughs> yeah. I, and having played two or three on this list um that we talked about guitars I'm not sure if I put it in best guitar. It's wow, the okay. guitar that I would actually push. Um, I think there's another guitar on this list that we're going to talk about that I've, I feel strong, I mean, more strongly this about. This doesn't have to be the final list. We can still put stuff in here and then ruminate on it on the uh, um, on the final. But I must select. say, it, it does look good. Is it the best looking thing that we've probably had? Probably not. I definitely think we should talk about it again in best guitar. So I think we should put it there. Yep. Um, but that is the only thing I would I would put it in now. But... Not best overall product. No, not yet. Okay, not yet. Ooh, okay, enough. interesting. Okay, so uh, so next up on this uh, on this list, I'm going to be talking about the um, the Gibson. This is the first bass we're going to talk about on this podcast. Yeah, worth mentioning we've lumped guitars and bass into uh, the They're guitar the list that we're yeah, talking about yeah, because exactly. there's not much competition on the basses this year. No, no, not not an awful lot has come out. Well, some stuff has come out, but but not a lot of stuff that we liked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that um, the case in every year since like 1957? Pretty much. It's been, yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe you're right. Yeah. But there no was one a, died. but the the good the good things that came out this year have been very good. So this is the Gibson Les Paul Junior Tribute Double Cup bass oh about time we got a les paul junior bass back in from from gibson we haven't had one of these for for a long old time they released a limited edition one back in like 2013 but it was rather expensive and Did they, what was it? it was it like a double cut like this um so it was a double cut yes um they we had one in the shop mark you, you would have remembered it you uh, were still working at the time i don't remember it, it. was pelham blue yeah. um, oh, did they have like a sg bass pickup it, in the neck yes yeah, so this i do so remember the sidewinder in the Awful. in in the in the bridge and the mud bucker in the yeah, neck I didn't like them so at all. It was the Rip same. that out straight so away, the, mate. The pickup configuration that you get on the on the EB series, so the SG bases. Get some bases, grout in over that. And you also get them on the uh, on the uh, what, what you, uh, what's the name of the three three five base? There, uh, I was going to say Rivoli, like the yeah. Epiphone Rivoli. Yeah, yeah that'll yeah. do. The, yeah. That sort of thing. But uh, whatever. Anyway, EB2. There we go. I remembered. Anyway, so the uh, Gibson Les Paul Junior Tribute Double Cut Bass. So we have a junior body shape double cut. So they released this in line with the fact that they also did a double cut guitar um, in, their, in their lineup. But 
of course, you know that 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 was released last year. This one only hit the shelves this year, so it has a um, a similar scratch plate. So we've got the kind of all-in-one scratch plate that uh, that includes the uh, volume and tone control being top mounted into the plate as you would on a on a P bass. And then we've got a Thunderbird-style humbucking pickup, slap bang in the middle of the body. So a very much sort of a P bassy style setup there. Is it a short scale? It is short scale. Yeah. It's Gibson. So like you know, pretty much everything they do other than the Thunderbird is is, is short scale. So Wasn't the 30.5 inch scale. Weren't the Rippers? Previous. Yes. No, I was going to say the previous Les Paul basses, they weren't short yeah, scale, you're were right. they? The old, the, they were 34. Yeah, like that, a Les Paul standard last, bass. Yeah, the last time they did those was again 2013. Those were the yeah. last models they did them in. They were like, I thought, not only were they long scale, but they felt like they were extra long scale. They, they were the they, heaviest they, things in the entire yeah. world. They were so weird. And, they were like, so cool. I, I, well, were. I didn't think they were cool. I really no. like the idea of of a of a of a Les Paul bass, but I just thought they looked bad. These look certainly more like what I would be into. These are definitely way more cool. So one of the problems with the proper Les Paul is they they Les Paul bass uh, that they did before was the pickups they went for. They did two humbuckers and they put one kind of in the middle and one right on the bridge. And the problem with putting a humbucker on it right on the bridge on a bass is that's going to make it sound snappy, even with sort of the mahogany body and the you know the uh, the glue on neck and everything. It made it sound a bit funky, which is absolutely not the sound you are going to want if you want a big, heavy rock and roll sort of bass. I love the funk. What you're going to want is the sound of a big humbucker slap bang in the middle of the body being all clangy and P-bassy, which is exactly what they've done in the Les Paul Jr. tribute double cut bass. Um, so short scale humbucker bang in the middle of the body comes in cool colours again like you know we've got that sort of rubbed finish the uh, you get that sort of lovely brown Say that again. rubbed, rubbed <laughs> finish you got the uh, that lovely chocolate uh, finish that that we we go Say on about again. so much the lovely chocolate finish that you get on the uh, um, that you get on it's the actually, it's on called the worn SG. brown yeah isn't fine it? worn brown yes it's just called, I'm trying to make it sound okay, I'm I'm selling it here Mark yeah, yeah, let yeah. me okay, sell fine, it here. Fine, fine. it's my pitch um, but yeah the uh, uh, so you get that that lovely warm brown finish. It's only going to get better with age. But the fact is that this is a, a base that looks like, even though this is a, a new design for them, it looks like the uh, you know the sort of instrument that could have been made in the 60s. And you know if you go for that warm brown finish, it's just going to age gorgeously. And it's it's unlike, I think, the uh, the Mudbucker and the Sidewinder pickup that you get in the, in the SG bases and all their EBs. That just hasn't modernised well. That pickup configuration doesn't really work in the, the way bass sits in a hi-fi in most modern mixes. This absolutely does with a humbucker in the middle of the body. This is a really good alternative for people who want, you know, something, uh, you know, something that's not a P bass that's going to be a rock and roll bass and and cut through and make all the right sounds and look cool. Uh, this this absolutely nails it. And then just to make things even better, kind of it comes with like a a price tag of. No, six hundred and ninety nine pounds is kind of. I'd pay this. Well, exactly. Who wouldn't? I just think it's an incredibly cool product for not a lot of money. A lovely sort of shorty bass with loads of options. So my only issue with this is I uh, I read the Premier Guitar review of this when Uh it came out, and the thing that really disappointed me, and I know that that's the complete antithesis of you. Joe, I'm pointing at you, yeah. Joe. Yeah. I'm not sure if anyone else can see that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can. Oh, okay. Good. Um, what, I can't. Oh, okay. Weird. Um, <laughs> was it, it said so in the in the summary? It said pros, well built and good sounding shorty for a wide range of musical styles. Cons, except for players who like more snap in their tone, which is absolutely me. <laughs> That's all that I want. I don't actually want any tone at all. I right, only right. want snap, and that I think is the issue with the pickup 
being in the middle rather than towards the bridge. Well, the thing is about those Thunderbird pickups is is they are quite different sounding from like a P-Base pickup. They are soupy anyway. Yeah, 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 so yeah. that plus a glue neck, plus the fact that it's short scale, so you've got loads more like low harmonics coming through anyway. And then... Um, you know the fact the fact that it's mahogany all makes it's still going to be yeah, a Gibson, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still it's, Gibson bass. Yeah. It's still going to be it's dark very sounding. swampy. Yeah. Me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, it's going to be that. Yeah, so fine. It's maybe not the most versatile instrument in the world. I think it's fantastic to have this in the lineup for Gibson because they're really failing on basses at the moment because they just they got rid of the the SG faded bass, which immediately took away anything at a reasonable price point for for Gibson basses like. That you know, SGs have gone up and up in price from them. Now you can't get one like five years ago. You get one for seven hundred quid, like with a gloss finish, gloss nitro finish. Now it's like twelve, thirteen hundred quid for something with a pickup configuration that doesn't really work. Thunderbirds are now like fifteen hundred pounds. Wow. And how much is this? Sorry, seven hundred pounds. Yeah, six nine nine. That's really yeah. reasonable. That's what, the thing. This is this is exactly the instrument Gibson needed to make. So I was going to make a suggestion in the. But simply because it's a bass, I don't feel like it's going to win best guitar. No, sure. But where I can see it doing well is most useful. The reason being, for the sort of money it is, there's not a lot of options when it comes to short-scale basses. There's the uh, Mustang bass, which is, what, around the same sort of money? Like, yeah, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah six, seven hundred um, quid, that kind of thing. Yeah, is there one in the Ventura range? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm sure there's a Ventura Mustang bass. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, so... But the, really, if you're after a short scale bass for that kind of price point, um, for players that you know prefer a short scale bass, maybe they're a bit smaller or they just like the feel of a, no, a short scale bass. I think this is a bass. fantastic studio bass as well. well. Totally, there's those kind of options as well. And per, um, if you know if you're primarily a P bass player, but you want something else kicking around with uh-huh. a very different sound, yeah, you don't have to spend a lot of money to get something American made. You know, very reliable and and all the things that you get with a Gibson. Um, to you know, it's six nine nine. Yeah, not absolutely. a lot of money at all. So, can I suggest this for most useful? Absolutely, I've actually already put it in the oh, running. Oh well, there. There yes. we go. There we go. <laughs> I think that's where it fits best because I don't think it is the best guitar this year. Sure, no, um, I agree, but it is fantastic. I'm really welcome addition to the Gibson lineup. I'm yeah. glad they finally done it. So, Mark, uh, you're next up with probably I think we, we probably all agree this is the most unlikely guitar for Mark to be championing. Well, just for guitar nerds in general. Yeah, right? that's apart from me, we would never never have talked Sorry, about this we would uh, still we would still never have talked about this if we hadn't played it yeah absolutely so very lucky to kind of get our hands uh, on one of these to try uh, this year i'm kind of gutted that we didn't have it today because i'd really like to still have the firstly i'd really like to still have it because it's an awesome guitar but i kind of wanted to test like pedals and stuff with it because it's a you know it's a pretty unique sounding guitar um well the thing that i'm talking about is the uh music man sterling majesty x um and the reason i'm talking about this is yes firstly it's very different to the other things that we would would try but also absolutely hands down the best feeling guitar that i've tried this year yeah absolutely loved the eastman um and you know loved uh, the other things i'm going to talk about but the majesty x for how it plays is absolutely unbelievable and we're not even talking about the full music man here we're talking about the sterling i can't yeah. believe that they've put this level of quality out of the the sterling korean this, factory much like uh we had with the um uh what's it what's it called the uh valentine james valentine i just 
I couldn't believe how good this feels for the price. So what you've got with the Majesty, I'm just trying to get some spec up here. So mahogany body um, with a uh, like a Music Man trem. They call it a modern trem. Um, it's like a two-point trem, I think. Yeah, two-point yeah. trem. Yeah. Um, and again, it's kind of got all the things you'd expect from a Sterling. So it's kind of their own pickups. Um, it's, you know, nothing. There's no kind of branded stuff on there. But it kind of feels... I don't know. They're just It's well, hard to describe why I like this guitar so much. I can't believe... And also, another big thing for me is painted neck. It's got the kind of matching uh, body and neck finish and headstock. I mean, the colours are just That's wonderful. Yeah, so, so the two options, you've got purple metallic and pearl white. The one that we saw was the purple metallic. It's just the, such a great Again, colour. for the sort of money that it is, great finish on there. Um, and in terms of sound... It's a, just well, a bit of a rock machine. I mean, I think you've got to look back to, was it last year or the year before when we were talking about uh, the Sterling James Valentine? Yeah. And, you know, I said, to be honest, if I hadn't already bought the American one, I wouldn't really see a lot of point going up to it when the Sterling one was so good. Yeah. And I think this, you know, there's clearly a lot of John Petrucci Dream Theater fans out there yeah. that his guitar is unreachable for those yeah. those people. Um, and I think, you know, especially when, you know, there's a lot of modern seven strings like Strandberg and stuff like that. This feels much more like a vintage rock machine with like modern appointments. Yeah. Um, and it just, it just, they look great. They feel great. They sound great. They've got pretty much all the same options. I, I mean, in terms of the features, yeah, it, the reason it kind of feels like traditional is it pretty much is, you know, you've got freeway pickup selector. Volume and tone. Yeah. Simple as that. With a trem. Um, there's nothing fancy going on here. You know, there's no like core tapping or anything like that. It's there just... is a there is a boost circuit, isn't there? There's a boost circuit, yeah. Uh there is a push push volume. Yes, for a 12 you're DVDs. correct. Yeah. Sorry, there is. It was a few weeks ago that we tried this. Yes, is it, there is. But, is it the same circuit that's is it the same circuit that's in the uh Valentine? That I do not know. I would probably imagine it's similar. Um, purely because probably once they've designed it once, they don't need to design it more than once. Completely. Um, But really reactive to playing as well in terms of those pickups, those humbuckers in there. We kind of like, we had some gain stuff on and it was like a chunky rock machine, but it cleans up nicely as well. Um, I think the only thing that's going to put a lot of people off... Yeah, I know where you're going. ...as as a more traditional player... um, is the 16-inch radius. Oh, it's I super, super flat. It is. Um, <laughs> it's super flat. So I think if you're not used to that sort of thing or you're maybe after something a bit different but you're used to playing, you know, Fenders, Gibsons and, and the like, going to this, it does take a bit of getting used to because that is super flat. Yeah, yeah. And it does adjust the way that you, you play. But then again, most people looking at this are going to be looking at is it, it for the reason they want. Is it 16-inch radius on the six-string? Or is that just Yeah, the, the whole seven? thing is 16-inch. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's on the th- on the what? On the, there's a six and a seven string. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same. It is right. the same. 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 Okay. So the thing that uh, so that didn't bother me at all. In fact, in fact, I didn't actually really notice that. I mean, it feels like it feels like a modern guitar, but with yeah. you know without any of the kind of fancy stuff that a lot of modern guitars have. Um, the thing for me that I think would perhaps well, there's two things really that would put me off if I uh, was looking to purchase one of these. The custom inlays obviously are very, very much based around John Petrucci. You know, they've got that shield inlay, and then on the first fret, they've got the shield with the JP 
uh, on there. So, you know, if you're either not a fan or you're nonplussed by John Petrucci, that might be a downside. And same goes for the signature on the headstock as well. It's got his signature on you're, there. But I mean, you're covering the first fret with a... Uh, when you play... With a... Uh, oh, a hairband. A hairband. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Course, for, yeah. for that one. You say, <laughs> when you play it, anyway. That's true. That's yeah, yeah. true. Um, so this, this, the thing that struck me about this is it's absolutely not a guitar that I would normally play in the, you know, it's... it's Pretty modern looking, you know, it doesn't look like a Strat or a Tele. Um, uh, it's got a trem, which I don't normally use, um, but I plugged it in and instantly went, this is phenomenal. Because well, I tried the American version yeah. this year and, um, you know, just for an idea of sound, because like I said, the Sterling sounds almost the same as, as the American ones. And I just like, yeah, this is a great guitar. Super clean, but it does all the high gain stuff. I mean, his tone is massively varies as well. Yeah. Um, and when you're using a lot of gain, the extra 12 dB does really help you cut through. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's an interesting choice, I think, for someone who wanted to go for, I mean, a six or a like a more modern guitar yeah. without going down the route of Strandberg. Or again, like I said earlier, moving away from what everyone else is going towards, going back to something yeah. like this. I, yeah. I mean, I actually think we, this guitar, I think, taught us a little bit about ourselves as well yeah well i mean i I didn't want to sound quite so cheesy but basically you brought this this over joe and you were like you guys really need to check this out and i think mark you and you and me both kind of went okay well we'll sort of look at this well yeah i mean i think we sort of thought about it as a bit of a joke because it's like oh look at me i'm john petrucci or whatever but and then i mean it looks stupid I don't think actually. I I don't think I agree because the my big issue with the most of the Petrucci guitars is the highlighted shield in the right. middle of the yeah. body, yeah. which this doesn't have. Yeah, and at, so actually, I think this just looks like a a bit of a weird looking guitar. I guess so. Which which it's, I'm which I I, it's I think a it's bit, cool. It's almost a bit princey. Yeah, yeah, you're which, right. Which you could pull off. Yeah, I can pull that off. I'm down with this. I think I've started liking it just by okay. making that connection. Just by yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about it. But no, I, I, th- I think it. one of the things I'm really going to try and do next year is, I, I think I've, not in my old age. You're going to play some, metal guitars. No, not play metal guitars, but just try and like move a little bit outside my comfort zone every now right. and again. You know, I just, I pick up guitars at work all the time that yeah. I know I like and I'm just like, no, this is what I like. I like these. And it's yeah. like, you've really got to try and push yourself away from that sometimes. Mm. The, other the, thing, uh, the other thing I think is notable is that, you know, at a time when a lot of companies are just doing, you know, like updated versions of things that they already do. I know this is obviously a cheaper price model. Uh, um, it's not the cheapest, more. Majesty. There's another price point below okay, this. Okay, sorry. It's a cheaper version of yeah. what they already do. Um but to me, this did feel like, okay, this is something different. Whereas I think, you know, if we'd have taken the latest model from from other kind of more metal brands, we'd kind of be like, yeah, I know what this is. Okay, it's either slightly cheaper or slightly more expensive than the thing that's been done before. Yeah. Whereas with this, you know, I never had a chance to have a go on a Majesty because, I mean, why would I ever do that? You know, yeah. they're, they're a lot of money for a guitar that, you know, off the bat is not something that I think I would be into. Um, And then getting hands on this, I was like, okay, this is like totally affordable and i should have played one of these before it's it's awesome They're but then really, again really we, good. we've said that for the last few years when it came when it, with all of the sterling stuff yeah you know we yeah. said that last year with the with the uh valentine we said it the mm. year before with the um the St. Vincent and... They're just doing great stuff. That is the thing. And I think, um, yeah, with these, like I said, it opens up that a totally different type of guitar yeah. that I would yeah. never have put my hands on before and I actually really, really liked it. Was the Albert Lee this year or was that last year? 
Sterling, Sterling Al- Albert Lee. The Sterling Albert Lee was last year. It In was fact, last there was year, a quiz okay. that we did last week where one of the answers was yes. the uh, Sterling yes, Albert yeah, Lee. We talked about it again. As we mentioned yeah. many times, the podcast stops, <laughs> it goes out of my brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just I push reset. Fine. The the only my only thing with this majesty, it being a sterling, is the price point. I appreciate the price point is a third of the 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 price point for a an actual music man majesty, but at nearly twelve hundred pounds, it is a lot of money for a Korean-made guitar. It's funny because, you know, we always do come back to price at some point. Yeah, and I'm just looking at the list of guitars we've got here, and I keep looking at Shergold and go, "It's certainly yeah." The, the price point in the Shergold's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. well, unbelievable. we can come back to that. But what yeah. you know, what I will say is that these are these are through neck, aren't they? They are through neck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So something like that is more expensive to produce than, say, yeah, yeah. the Valentine, oh, yeah, yeah. which yeah, is a cold one. So, so bear that in mind when we're talking about price. So in terms of categories, I'm going to pop this in best guitar because, like I said, for me, it was absolutely fantastic. Yep, yep. Um, I'm also going to put it in best looking. There's thi- I have reservations no, about no, that. No, 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 I'm totally on board because, now. It's a Prince guitar. Well, yeah, <laughs> now that we've said that. But, yeah, I mean, I think because of um, the... The finish on it is absolutely stunning. That's the main thing for me is, you know, it's like big flake, kind of metal flake. Uh-huh. Looks incredible under, you know, you hold it under different lights and it kind of just really kind of shows yeah. itself off. But I do have reservations because of the John Petrucci shield and the signature. But yeah. we'll talk about that when we debate best looking. Yeah. Okay, fine. Jay Cross. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like moving over to me when Mark was just talking about how one of the reasons that he likes the majesty is because it's not just a company re-releasing a product <laughs> that they've done previously under a slightly different name with slightly updated specs. Um, but the the next guitar I want to talk about, and actually my favourite guitar of the year, uh, is the um, Fender Vintera 50s Telecaster Modified. I feel like we've been here before. So, well, uh, the thing that I the thing that I like about this, you've chosen the one with the Bigsby, yeah? I've not chosen no, the one with the Bigsby. Why Joe. not? That is the 60s. This oh, is the 50s. Right. This okay. is the 50s mod. So, uh, you know, I'm not going to go over the entire Vintera story before because people, again, because people have heard it before. But really, the 50s telly mod is just the Baja telly. And yeah. I'm so excited that once again, I get to <laughs> relive, my, relive my what feels like my youth a billion years ago. And we get to talk about the Baja telly. Well, also, you, it's lucky that they released this because not not just for this year, but we're going to have to talk about like gear, gear of, of the, the decade. decade. And the, uh, the Baja doesn't make it in. No, <laughs> no, no, no the Baja no, was 2009. We can actually include what is essentially a Baja. Okay, so tell us about this. I don't, I don't know anything about this uh, uh, particular setup really on this instrument. Yeah, yeah, What's yeah. The, uh, <laughs> why don't you fill me in? Right, okay. Well, so basically, you've got um, Telecaster. Have you heard of Telecaster? Yeah, no. yeah, more or less. No, Don't okay. Worry. You should look it up. It's good. Oh, okay. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Telecaster. Um, so basically, the fifties uh, mod Tele is the same setup as the Baja. So you've got a uh, custom shop um, twisted Tele in the neck, which is an absolutely incredible pickup, right. and a uh, a um custom shop vintage style bridge okay pickup um in the bridge obviously and you've got the s1 switch which we've talked about many times does your series and parallel four-way selector switch which uh oh. joe sort of got caught I out with a little get while my head ago. around that <laughs> <laughs> brass saddles as well brass saddles yeah absolutely and it comes in butterscotch blonde yeah, which lovely is just, that which... lovely single ply black palette that i absolutely What's the, love um 
the difference between the normal 50s and the modified version? So the... Just because I noticed the other one comes in red, which it, is very nice. It, yeah, the other one comes in Fiesta Red. So basically, the Vintera... So, okay, I will go back over the Vintera series. The Vintera series brought together the old classic series and the classic vibes, and it brought them into one series and kind of rationalised everything. So basically, the red one that you're looking at was... It is the 50s, not the 50s mod. Yes. And so the 50s was kind of like what the classic series was. So it's more uh, it's more of a, you know, historically yeah. accurate guitar, whereas the mod versions have got kind of modern features. So this has got nine and a half inch yeah. board, whereas it's, the other has got... It's all the five. things that you would, you know, that most people, if they were going to pick a custom shot guitar, and they're like, I want a 50s telly. Yeah. And then you walk down the spec sheet and you're like, do you want... A seven and a quarter radius yeah, yeah. fretboard. They're like, mm. do you want tiny frets or do you yeah. want like you know jumbo frets? Do you want no tone control in the neck? Mm. <laughs> you know, so this the, really, again, if we were working in in stores now, this would be one of the uh, the go tos. I think completely. And you know, I've realised how ridiculous I sound bringing up the the essentially the Baja Telly as my gear of the year, but. My argument still holds, you know, when 2013, when we first started doing this podcast, my opinion was that the Baja Telly was the best guitar you could buy for under a thousand pounds. The Vintera 50s Telly Mod is still the best guitar you can buy for under a thousand pounds. Well, we'll debate that when we get around to the best guitar. (laughs) Well, but there we go. So uh, I, you know, again, I I don't really know what else there is to add. And I really do appreciate the fact that it is maybe a bit of a cop out me just saying this, but I just love it. I just, I think it's, I, I, I just love this guitar. I think it is an absolute banger. And there are other guitars in this series that maybe we could have put on there. And actually, I, I thought about it after you talked about it, Mark. Of course, there is a Vintera Mustang bass because it's got the it's the first one ever, I oh, think, with the, split pickup. With the proper Mustang yeah. split pickup in there. Right. So I did think about putting that in there. Not the first one ever. There's been uh, Japanese-made ones. Yeah, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, but yeah, I just... I, the, for me, the '50s Tele Mod is—it's just—it's just one of the best guitars on the market, and I just—I think it's an absolute banger. So, in terms of categories, yeah, I mean, I, I think it should go in. For, I think it should go in for best guitar and uh, most innovative. You know, it's—it's. Uh, it's, it's, I'm not, kidding. I'm kidding. No. I was—I was like <laughs> leaning back then. I was like, and I was like is hold he on. Joking. <laughs> I was like, what? What is in that? No, and no, I'm kidding. Best guitar and best overall product for me. Absolutely. Uh, best guitar and best amp. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's absolutely the best and, amp. Uh, best effect, most useful, yeah, best yeah, looking. Yeah. I, I mean, certainly best looking. Best name. Telecaster. Telecaster. <laughs> it's a good name. It's a good name. So keeping it on the Fender family. So I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about guitar, um, but I actually need your help deciding the the one that I'm going to talk about just before we we launch into it. I disagree. There were there were two, so we'll just quick <laughs> fire this because both of these we're not going to include both of them. We're going to include this guitar turned up in in a few series, in three series. I'm talking about the Squire Starcaster. Now I am not 100 percent sure whether I want to talk about the Affinity or the Contemporary Active because I think both of those two series for me were absolutely fantastic. So I just thought I'd sort of put that around the room quickly, you or think- maybe. I'll you think those rather both. than the classic vibe? I do. So it did come out in the three series. So just to go over it then, I'll, I'll kind of do all three and I'll talk about them, all three of them. So the Starcaster, obviously wonderful sort of uh, Fender's foray into big-bodied, hollow-body style guitars, but with a bolt-on neck and an incredibly cool headstock. Um, previously available only in the 
classic player series. Classic player or classic series? Not sure. It doesn't matter. Um, Modern player. Modern player. That was yeah. it. Sorry. Um, now, now available from Square and Three Series comes as the. Um, what's the top one? We just said it. Cla- classic. Classic vibe. Classic vibe. That's it. There's so many series. Uh, So the classic vibe series is essentially Squire doing very much a version of the classic player that was available from Fender. This is authentic and original, a lovely sort of gloss body available in, you know, things like Sunburst. And it comes, it it looks like the original Starcasters from the 70s. Very, very cool. Double wide range humbucker. Very cool. Big, heavy, big center block 70s guitar. Love it. But the problem is, it, it for me, it's not very innovative. It's great that I can knock a couple of hundred quid off of the one I could get from Fender before, but really where I think this guitar has come into its own and is incredible is that Squire's put it out in both Affinity and Contemporary Active. That Both series, that for different reasons, offer something incredibly original. The Affinity, um, the Affinity for, for, for a start, is £250 and is probably... That's... It's... Or, that is probably the most original looking, most different affordable guitar that you can buy on I, the market. At I can the see some really famous band playing one of these in 10 years time. <laughs> sure. And, yeah. and it's just like, yeah, I picked it up for like 150 quid. Yeah. Just, grand, and I stuck some pickups in it. And oh, that's, yeah, no, it, no for money. Me, that seems like a great guitar so for the money. The affinity is obviously their Fender's most, uh, Squire's most stripped down guitar. And they've, you know, it's a simple sort of non-gloss modern, sort of very satin feeling maple neck, but that gorgeous big sort of, uh, like knife edge esque headstock, uh, being on there without the sort of, uh, two tone element that they have on the others. Just, it just looks very, very cool with a pair of humbuckers in fine. They're sort of cheap Squire series, you know, open pole piece humbuckers, whatever you can change those for whatever you want. They come in some cool colors. The sort of vintage white that they do them in is, is absolutely fantastic. But what you're talking about this, like a maple necked modern sort of modern ish, on hollow body from Squire for £250. Yeah. It's so cool and so original. Such a fun modern guitar. I think especially the white and the red, it looks incredible. Obviously, the downsides are going to be it's an affinity. We know affinities aren't the best. They're not supposed to be there for beginners. This is a very cool beginner's guitar, but which is why I kind of almost... Also, I love that that's £250 and the most original £250 you can spend. Um, it's what kind of makes me more in line with the... With the um, contemporary active because it's like what the hell are you doing (laughs) why was this how did this get off the ground i mean i'm so glad it did but when did fender start being like original or innovative this is a company that re-released the same guitars you know year after year very good guitars but it's not like fender or the brand to sort of push the envelope uh you know this is uh, you know so with the contemporary series in general that I think came out at the start of last year. I think yeah, it was, NAM, right. it was 20, launched at the NAM we went to. Was 2018, that 2018 yeah. or 2017? 2018. 2018. So they were launched. The, the series itself. The contemporary mean, yeah. guitars. Yeah. So there was the Strats and Tellys. There was a couple of different yeah, ones. Jazz basses. Uh, yeah. And, j- and jazz basses. And was there a P bass? Maybe not. No. No, no. Uh, no. Um, so <laughs> I, I think basically that's one of the benefits of having kind of like defined series with these guitars is it, yeah. it allows you to go, okay, well, look, what goes where? And I, I can only assume that that's where that's where this came from it's like yeah. okay well what are we going to do are we going to do affinity or are we going to do bullet or are we going to do classic i imagine you know, it was the- we're going to do a starcaster we'll probably do an affinity one and a more expensive one what if we did one yeah yeah, yeah. contemporary it, it feels like what this, would that be exactly yeah. what this feels like so so the the features that they've slapped on this contemporary active are, are absolutely brilliant for a start they've made it a sealed 
laminate top with a big old center block. So you've still got that cool big 3-3 offset 3-3-5 body shape but with no f-holes which just makes it i just i just think that looks so cool well, without well, the apart from anything it will help with it will help well, with feedback, feedback which, which is, is which is a good thing when you when they're putting the sqr active humbuckers yeah. in there which of course because you know it's designed it's the contemporary active it's supposed to be a bit metally but then the fact that they released it in in surf pearl Green, yeah, it's an incredible color, and that's a lot of that color on a sort of <laughs> no f hole sealed yeah. big offset three three five, which is incredibly cool. The maple neck, one of the things I love about the uh, the contemporary active is they've gone back to that two tone headstock. Only now, uh, unlike the sort of black swish which they have on the 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 classic vibe and all the original ones, the swish now matches the body color in, yeah. in its thing. So on the matching surf pearl, head swish. Yeah, so on the Surf Pearl, you've got this big sort of mint green swish on the on the underside of the logo, See, which just looks incredibly cool. I actually think I I don't like the pearl colours at all. I oh. actually think the black. Oh. Looks Do you know what? The I was going to say the same thing. For, uh, oh, unusually really? okay. for me, okay. I, yeah. I mean, I love the pearl stuff still, but I think the the standout of this range is the flat black. I think that's fair enough because it's got that real sort of Jim root vibe right. to it. Well, that's yeah. what we don't I think have to pick colour on this, but no, you know, no, no, but, no, but no, nonetheless, no. yeah, yeah, sure, absolutely. The black is certainly cool. I just look for originality. I love the pearl. I mean, I think it's a cool guitar, but I would. Rather, if I was going to walk into a store, I'd rather see the Affinity one. I always think about right. if I was working in a store, I just feel the Affinity is like a cool guitar to sell. This one feels like it's a bit. Who are you trying to sell it to? I'm, see, I'm the other way around. I'm like, who are you trying to sell it to? I can imagine someone from like who's in like a Doom band or something. Yeah. Like, you know, there's you know how Doom it, bands it, always have one like massive bloke in them. <laughs> that always, I can see so, because it's like a big guitar. It, it you know, but, of, uh, but I, do, I do know what you're getting at. Like Surf Pearl, it's a punk rock color, but no punk rock band's ever going to play sort of active pickups. Yeah, and I then, think it's yeah, it's more that the body shape doesn't match the pickup style, but yeah. it does look like one of those like Travis Bean or electrical guitar company like huge something you'd imagine an aluminium neck on yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like, um, I can just imagine someone who's like I don't know it kind of replaces you know when you see a band and someone again it's probably someone who's a bit bigger playing like a PVT 60 or something like yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. a guitar that's too big to be a guitar that's <laughs> kind of like what I see these Squire contemporaries but, I mean I just the thing is I dare so, I say mod mode I just think something like an affinity <laughs> Starcaster <laughs> Is a much cooler guitar to go out and buy for the money. Well, it's up to you, Joe. I, I, I guess it is up to me. The, one of the things, so the, the the kind of the active contemporary. One of the other benefits, well, I, the main benefit of it, I think, is the color. The 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 uh, Lake Placid blue, surf pearl green, and the black are very very cool colors. The colors are less cool on the uh, on the affinity. That the sunburst certainly. You don't want to go for a sunburst at this price point. It's not going to be good. But you know they do do a, a a nice black, a really nice sort of candy apple red. I mean, candy apple red's always nice. And and the the sort of yeah the vintage white does look very good. I actually think that the sunburst on these looks quite good. Really, I, I I'm think, only looking at pictures. So I, I think the think I th- well, if you look at the picture of it, I think the where this is let down is the fact that they're open coil humbuckers. Oh, you're probably and I think right. I think if that had chrome humbuckers on it, mm. that would look immediately like a more expensive. The yeah. thing is, yeah. the more I look at the contemporary active in black, the more I would be I would buy that guitar if it wasn't active. Right. Yeah, but you could whip those out, you know, bit of a mod mode. Here's the thing, the contemporary active is actually only a hundred pounds more than the affinity. Like we're not we're not breaking the bank by upgrading to the next sort of level here. It's it's still yeah, just, definitely a mod just mode. Just going back to what you were saying, I think Mark, like if this guitar had come out 
as a Jim Root signature. You know, he's got, yeah, he's totally. got telly, he's got yeah, strap, he's got jazz, jazz master. <laughs> if this came out as the Jim Root signature uh, signature starcaster, everyone would be like, this genius. Yeah. Genius. Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I think these so. are both great guitars, well, but I think the more interesting the one is the contemporary. So you're saying contemporary active. I think I'd probably say contemporary. You're saying affinity. Oh, so if I say affinity, I draw it. Okay, I, I, I'm going to go contemporary active because yeah, I really do like the surf I'm, I'm just thinking of in terms of... You know what we're all about here. Yeah, no, I think I, actually I, that contemporary active is probably more of a forward-thinking guitar than just like everyone likes a Starcaster. Strip everything off it and make it two nine nine. Yeah, yeah, no, know, no, I, like I, do, bit, I do get that. I, I, I completely get that. I just, I think, you know, where is this going to sit when it comes to the running order? Is it best product? Is it no, best guitar? I'm or putting it in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm or is it, or is it most innovative? I've, which I think is probably. I'm absolutely where you, putting yeah. this in in most innovative. I think it's a, right it's up a there, really, really right up there with a fifties telly. Sure, you don't you want know? to put that in best best overall there. <laughs> No, I don't think it's best ever, but it is, it is a really, really no, cool I product. I point. wish there was like a coolest. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I wish there was a, a coolest category because uh, this is absolutely cool. cool as you should cucumber. definitely go on to the next thing on the Every, list. Everything's yeah. cool, though. That's the problem is that we'd yeah. have to put everything in there. Yeah. We've picked it. So uh, so uh, why have I got so many things to talk well, about? Well, I can talk about this yeah, one. So, yeah, you, you talk, about, talk this about this one. one. Let's, let's, you lead and I'll also I'll get excited about um, it. Um, so <laughs> let's 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 go back a little bit of a history lesson here to uh, 2018, the time that we uh, we went to Nam, and uh, we went to the. Early I went this year. Quiet, Jay. Yeah, and uh, we, <laughs> I'm we, going we, next year. So am I. Um, and we went to the Ernie Ball factory, and we got an exclusive look into um, Brian Ball's office, yeah. and he had a he had a little bit of a. Uh, a special a special gift i should say it was the prototype what has now become the ernie ball mariposa the guitar that definitely me and joe have waited for than longer than anyone yeah, else which absolutely. is the omar rodriguez lopez signature um a man who i guess he's most known for the mars volta but it's definitely done a lot more music than <laughs> than just that but actually someone who's seek previous signature guitars now go for insane amounts of money yeah and this feels like a guitar that is really moving forward in terms of body shape, in terms of design, in terms of, I, I guess it's, it is stripped back in features, but in terms of what he's going for in terms of sound, um, I just think this is an amazing guitar. Yeah. And, I, and, you know, it's clearly been a long time a long time in development well absolutely yeah we i mean we saw when we saw it there was it was not the guitar itself it was literally just the body no neck attached and it was a body roughly in this shape but it had lots of scribbles on it where omar had like drawn lines on it and and written things like you know cut more here and and stuff like yeah, that. You know, yeah. that sort of the contour thing. needs to change here and you know there'd been loads and loads of was it left hand revisions <laughs> actually the, i think the body was I can't. I think it was left-handed. It must have been. Must have because if he's sort of holding it up to himself, so yeah, he must. It must have been left-handed. So, I mean, the the good thing is, you know, we're looking at, you know, if we look at the specs here, obviously, I think the one thing that Ernie Ball were doing more than anyone else is going right. Every guitar needs to be different. It needs to be not like anything it's not like we're going to make your signature and you're going to pick something that we already do and we're going to put some different pickups in it's like we're redesigning it from the ground up which i absolutely love 
Um, it's a kind of cross between an Albert Lee and a St. Vincent in some ways. You know, he was playing St. Vincent for a while before. Which is funny um, because St. Vincent he, he, was playing Albert Lee's before she got yeah, her signature. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he had a St. Vincent. He also did have an Albert Lee. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, was he playing one, a left-handed one, I think, for a while? Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Rather than just an upside-down one. Um, so you get you get kind of all that. A guitar that's designed from the ground up. You do get that fantastic uh, Music Man Trem, which also comes on the valentine um i love the fact it's got an okume body which is a wood that we've talked about a lot before it's very lightweight it's very resonant it feels nice um obviously the necks ernie ball necks are to me hands down the best necks out there absolutely um i like the fact it's you know a solid um is it rosewood i can't remember rosewood or ebony on the fretboard it's uh, sorry ebony fretboard roasted maple neck so you don't get all the fancy flame but you do just get a solid maple neck Obviously, it's got that gunstock oil finish, locking machine heads, everything you want. But out of the box, just hands down, incredible. Just you, a great guitar. We, we've always obviously spoke up about yeah. Music Man an awful lot. They're incredible quality, very cool but guitars. One, one thing I actually really like, and it's because I don't tend to use the tone control very much, but I do play a lot with the volume, especially when I'm just playing around at home and playing with different you know, fuzz pedals or whatever. Mm-hmm. This is two volumes. And then what they call their tethered tone circuit. So if you want more treble, you just roll more of the, the neck off. And if you want it slightly, you know, you know, if you want to change it around, you're just messing around with those two volume controls. So Re- does that does that sorry, does that mean that you don't have a particularly linear control over the volume because the volume is more you like you just got a, two volume controls same as a jazz bass yeah, I, so I'd if imagine- you want a sh- if you want a volume roll you just do it with both at the oh same time. I see I see I see sorry because what you're saying is essentially you've got you're, well, instead of a treble and bass control you've essentially got a treble and bass you've got treble pickup and bass pickup yeah, yeah. so in the middle you kind of got control over tone because you can roll one or the yes. other pickup off yeah, but yeah, you yeah, can yeah, either yeah. have just the neck or the bridge so you could have a quieter neck and then go to the bridge for a solo or yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, if you which want to is, do it that I way. mean, fine for me, you know. Um, and who needs a tone? Who needs a tone? Well, I mean, the fingers. That's, I mean, what that, I, that's what I keep hearing. Exactly. Um, I, to me, I just think you know we love we've loved the Valentine. We've you know we've talked about the Majesty, and it just feels like this is the guitar that's designed by one of the players that I absolutely love. Yeah. I love Les Pauls. I, l- I love SG's two humbucker guitars. This feels like. The perfect modern ver- version of that. <coughs> Excuse me, um, but yeah, I just Ernie Ball just absolutely knocking it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, an, an absolutely brilliant, incredible guitar, very cool, <coughs> and, and what wonderful, brilliant, innovative guitarist to finally get a, a sort of signature model from from Music Man. Where does it go? Categories. Uh, so, well, uh, look, Matt. Yeah, sorry. I'm, what do you think? I'm slightly yes, dying you're here. dying. Um, well. I want to put it in best guitar because I really do feel it's one of the best guitars that I've personally I completely agree. With. It is easily the best guitar out this year. I mean, well, that yeah. we decided in it's a the, future episode. It's probably, it's probably the best amp as well and the best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I definitely want to put it in best looking. Okay. Yeah. Um, because it is one of the best looking things I've seen this year. And I also want to put it in best overall product. Can we have it okay. in best name as well? Because I love the yes, uh, we can the because... double name of Mariposa. Yes. Okay. It's fine. What do you mean double name? Uh, because it's because uh, Mariposa is a butterfly in Spanish, but of course uh, Omar ain't Spanish, and it means moth in Puerto Rican. Okay. So it's just like everyone's like, oh, it's butterfly. It's not. It's moth. Um, 
Can I do my uh, final one? And this is one that wasn't on the uh, original list when we put this together. I subbed something out to uh, to have this instead. So, don't, sorry, don't they? Yeah, perhaps I'm being very naive here, but I thought they spoke Spanish in. Well, they do, but it's, it's it's obviously like a, a variant, it's just a, like a right, dialect. Yeah. Right. Kind of okay. Um, we should do some research on that. Omar said it in an interview. Okay. Well, there we go. Oh, okay. Fine, fine. Um, so the guitar that I want to bring up is one that jumped to mind when we were talking about the Starcasters, um, because we were talking. In fact, kind of came to mind when we were talking about the um, Sterling Majesty as well. When we were saying, like, you know, these kind of metal brands and stuff, they generally just kind of uh, iterate on the things they put out the year before. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to have a look and see what Ibanez did uh, in 2019 what they announced at nam and i was looking through they they certainly did some great solid body guitars just looking at the axion label stuff um you know they made some guitars that to be honest not really to my taste you know they're very super straighty still great value for money as with most ibanez stuff um but nothing this year that really kind of jumped out at me as being like oh okay it's a metal guitar but it's kind of down the line of the things that you like but one thing that did stand out to me Artcore Vibrante series. Um, ah, so this my is signature model. This is yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Artcore Vibranton. Um, this is the latest version of the Artcore series. Um, in particular, the guitar that I want to talk about is the AS sixty three, which is basically a three three five style guitar, um, but with a few kind of modern tweaks to the shape. It's got slightly pointier horns, slightly kind of slimmer in the waist. Um, the key thing. Um, is that they've done at some serious design work on the models for this year and introduced a brand new range of colours, slightly tweak, tweak the design slightly. So the AS63 comes in a huge range of colours, but the one I want to point out is the coral pink. It stood out a couple of times actually in stores that I've been into this last week and not even really looked at the tag. I've just gone, oh, it's a, it's a pink hollow body there. Indeed, indeed. So this is AS63 Arcor Vibranti semi-hollow body uh, in coral pink. Price-wise, £299. Oh, it's such a good price. Um, and a few things about this. I've always really liked the Arcor series. I remember when they first debuted and there was, I don't know if it was called the AS63 at that point, but they've always done a kind of 335 style guitar. They've always been great value for money. Um, but I just what they've done to tweak it this year is absolutely fantastic in terms of new range of colours. Uh, they've got a perloid scratch plate now actually uncover pickups on this which i think to be honest actually works with the design um to not sure i agree oh, i love it I, I actually feel the same about this as i do about the mm. uh the affinity oh no uh, I the affinity think, starcaster i think, I think totally if, that had, if that had chrome covered pickups that was just i think fantastic. i think the solid open... white scratch plate Solid white pickup. No, 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 I don't know. See, I'm I'm really into these bits of flair. Um, it's really simple control wise, three way selector, volume and tone. Um, yeah, there's not a huge amount more I can say about it. I don't think it's going to be guitar of the year this year, but I did want to put it in best looking because yeah, that color on that style of guitar is something that you never see, and it looks absolutely amazing. It's also got like painted neck, the same color as well, so coral pink neck. I think if you're into guitar nerds. And you want a guitar for under five hundred pounds? This is the best choice. Oh wow! There we go. Yeah, uh, that's true. Yeah, if you want the official guitar nerd's color, but yeah, I mean, for me, that was the best thing that Ibanez have released this year. It's the thing that kind of I got to play one. When did I play one? I played one not that long after NAM, I think, because I think these are one of those rare products where they were announced at NAM and they were actually in stores mm. pretty quickly. I remember seeing one early in the year. Um, 
They're absolutely fantastic. I tell, you, I tell you something that is quite interesting about this, which is a nice little feature, is the fact that the um, with the volume controls, you've got volume, then pickup selector yeah. switch, then tone. Yeah, yeah. So it would allow you to do lots of like volume swells and stuff, which is something that I don't think traditionally you'd be able to do that easily on a on a cheaper three three five style guitar. Uh, yeah, totally, yeah. totally. And um, just looking. Oh no, sorry, my mistake. The three three five, the Epiphone three three five. Dot Studio also is Has that layout. volume pickup selector. What's the rough tone. price on a uh, Dot Studio? Because I guess these are kind of going head to head, really, with the with a Dot Studio. I guess so. They always used to be like just about three hundred quid. Yeah. Um, Sound of people googling. Yeah, just two six nine. Two six nine. So Fresh they're result. in the, roughly the same ballpark. Similar so sort of if price. you're the sort of person who's thinking, right, well, I want to get into hollow bodies, I don't want to spend a huge amount of money. The Epiphone Dots and Dot Studios have always been the kind of go-to. This gives you something totally different. And if you want something that's going to make you stand out, like I said, they do the coral pink, but they also do like a kind of a range of pastel colours, blues and greens as well. Um, I think it's a really nice tweak on a budget guitar that has always been excellent value for money. Um, Absolutely. Do I think it's best guitar? I don't think so, but I definitely think best looking uh you know that yeah. finish on yeah. that guitar with yeah. the tweaks it's, they've done it's incredibly it. cool looks incredible um and that's it just in best looking i think for that yeah fair cool. enough yeah it's an incredibly cool guitar now one last guitar uh, to add to this uh, to this list this very very long this is a long long old podcast it's gonna be a long it? podcast there's probably a lot more guitars that came this year as well but i think it's important you know as we said these are the we've ones just we've narrowed actually... it down to the ones that we really really wanted to yeah. talk about so one one left uh, before we take a break and then move on to effects pedals and that is no no we're doing amps amps that's what i meant yeah, sorry yeah. um yeah, so the uh, the last one to talk about is the fidelity stellarosa junior so they released the stellarosa last year and uh, the stellarosa junior is a single pick even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Cup version of that. The Stella Rosa was uh, the first kind of really different shape that Fidelity had put out that wasn't that that sort of uh, kind of double-cut juniory style um, sort of 60s shape. This one, a completely new shape, much sort of bigger, longer, more slab-esque, um, kind of a very rectangular guitar, sort of small horns, but with a really almost square body. It's a lovely sort of original, different, interesting shape, reminiscent of the, that Dan Electro. Do you remember the name of that Dan Electro that was rather square? Uh, yes. It's reminiscent of that, <laughs> but, but not, not, not especially. Dead on 67? Oh, it's good. It's something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah the their names are never really very memorable. There's a baritone that was similar yeah. to that. But this is a. They, you keep talking, Joe, and okay. I'll Google. You'll Google. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, thanks, yeah. Jay. Thanks. D so, A N M. Oh, no, wait. Where's the space bar? Okay. Okay. Anyway, so this is the junior version. So, of course, um, it is a single pickup version of what was a three pickup guitar. But what's really interesting is the the pickup that they've kept in, which is still the uh, the Mojo Mojo uh, sort of big P nine tone. Mojo tone. Mojo Mojo. I take mojo, three. Mojo <laughs> Mojo. Um, uh, P ninety in that sort of big oversized custom uh a metal chassis that they've uh, they've made for it there they've chosen to keep the middle pickup so it's the middle of the three that stayed not the neck not the bridge the one in the middle best and of both worlds purely Mistake. purely a tonal choice there by matt orem who owns fidelity guitars he said he thought it was the pickup that sounded best on its own um which is interesting just an unusual place to pick it but pick it, uh, pick it <laughs> to, to pick it to go but that but it's i think it just makes the guitar even more original so i loved the original stella rosa those three pickups with those massive sort of metal surrounds made it very heavy indeed and it was maybe a bit too i, I think the reason we dropped it out of um the running in the gear of the year when we actually talked about the stella rosa before was i think jay was was, was saying it was just a bit too much metal going yeah. on in the front there was just too it was much too stuff. metal well this is simple because we don't have the mastery um uh, tremolo system either we've just got a, a nice simple stop tail um which is uh, which is much much better uh, well not stop tail just a just a simple sort of fender style bridge and then this uh this p90 in the middle one volume one tone control i love the look of this guitar with its gorgeous yeah. like in, in in this case the one that we had it was white with lovely taut uh guard uh on either side of the body on the on the upper and the lower horn and then matching binding uh, around the top of the body I oh, think just just looking cool. at pictures like you know as Jay said before I think yeah too much metal with you've got that you know that uh, mastery jazz master bridge the three pickups and I think even if you took the middle pickup out and had hardtail it would feel too much that one pickup in the middle that in shell pink absolutely fantastic and I think if you want a guitar that's very different you know almost very custom because there are some some really nice custom options you can have on that all the guitars that we've played um, from Matt and the, the guys at Fidelity, amazing. Um, and for less than two grand, I think that's totally a guitar I'd have. Yeah, so hitting totally. a, a price tag starting at 1979 that includes VAT. Now, currently, um, currently it's... Glad it's, you told us that detail. 
Uh, yeah, I don't that. know why I said that. It's because I'm reading it off the science. Yeah, that actually that, does, you, actually does include, include VAT. I was only saying that because I wouldn't include the cool things that you get with this guitar. I know that including that okay. VAT. One of the things you get with it. <laughs> added accessories. VAT. So he, he, he sends all these out with these lovely Heisterkamp straps. Um, to, not not on my street, but like a, a very sort of not vegan. expensive. No, because they're very much like a hide leathery yeah. sort of thing. But they're they're, just, they're like a very high quality strap to send out with it. And of course, he's um he's he's trying out his own cases. Certainly, the one that we got sent came in its in its own custom fidelity case, which was absolutely lovely. So it it uh, buckled off at, at both sides, so it wasn't it's not hinged at all. It completely the lid completely. Oh, removed. weird. Yeah, like I didn't really cool. I didn't get to see the case. So it's like a so the case is is wooden you know sort of like so he's so it, it picks up every ding which is kind of cool because yeah. you know of course his guitars are all light relic, relic case. so so with it, it would just naturally be relic yeah, as yeah, soon yeah. as you put it down anywhere like so it's a, a wooden case with catches on each side this lovely plush interior where the guitar sits right down into it he, matt told me he was inspired by the um millimetric cases because of course millimetric have been purchasing their cases from a, a company that make gun cases and they, they very much have their own style where you have all the foam cut perfectly out for the for the gun and you know so he'd uh matt had tried gun to, gun, gun. You know, that thing but matt had tried to do the the same thing with the uh um with the stellarosa junior so that it put it sit perfectly in this lovely plush red interior came with a set of um of of new tone lucidity strings and a heister camp strap i just i, I can't just start looking at pictures of them on instagram those juniors just look so pictures good of what Oh, the, oh, right, the guitars. Okay. They're just that every time, just scrolling through, every time Junior comes up, I'm like, that's the best looking one. The Stellarosa Junior is an absolutely yeah. cracking yeah. guitar. It, it, absolutely. It, it sits really nicely. I think as well. It, it's a good way. I if just you want something, if you just want retro vibe and retro character and you want something hand-built, you know, in the UK and, you, yeah. you know, you kind of, what, what else it can does, you It does for? have that, like, future future retro yeah. vibe isn't it so i'm putting this beyond in retro. i'm putting beyond this retro. in for um uh for uh best uh looking i'm putting it in for um Ooh. i'm not putting it in for best name because then i've done all my best names it's only best overall product it's that we're going to live oh, right. okay, otherwise fine. we'll end up with a ridiculous list i'll yeah. put it in for best looking and um best name as That's well name. okay do we know what it means uh, no, I it was it was a <laughs> Japanese uh, guitar, wasn't it? The Stellarosa. It's it's yes. uh, it's uh, named after something that came before. Yeah. Don't but not best guitar. Um, we've got a lot going on oh, in be the fair, best. Guitar. I'm looking at that list now, and I'm like, mm. it, it, I mean, it is fantastic. But I, I've I've sort of already picked what I'm going to go for. Yeah. Um, just while you're looking at that, I'd just like to point out a, a little bit of literature that I found on the 67 Dano, which is the yeah. one that we were talking about. Right. Um, the So the little blurb uh, on the Dan Electro website behind the 67 Dano says, arguably the best neck feel of any guitar at any price. <laughs> It's quite a claim. Who's who's arguing that? They are presumably. Yeah. I just think that's an app from that's the, like from the unbiased experts at Dan Electro. <laughs> yeah, DanElectro.com. Yeah, fantastic. 
I just, it's so funny. Um, I just Googled uh, Stella Rosa and all I can find is wine. Right. Okay. So there must I'm be not sure. Maybe we can get Matt to, to I'll, I'll message him in the in the break. Yeah, he is a sommelier, I think. Can you get him so, to make me one in pink? Right. Okay. Sure. They do it in pink. Um, yeah, it comes right. in pink. Pink's yeah. a standard colour. Um, okay. So, uh, well, we are fast approaching the two hour mark, boys, uh, on this well, podcast. The first one, and the this first one is, is always the longest. Guys, one. no, no. This is the halfway point. Oh, <laughs> so, yeah. so I think at this point, we've got to make a decision whether we're going to split this podcast. Maybe we do, yeah. But then we got effects, and oh man! Maybe we've got to add an extra podcast in this series and release two on one day. I think we take a break now, and then I we, need a break, and I'm then we do. It. Oh, we have to break. It's whether or not. No, we, we actually... I think we continue on okay. with this podcast right, and we listener. do apps. All right, okay. listeners, we're carrying on. Stay with us. We're going to take a quick. break. No, in that case, we shouldn't break. Yeah, let's, let's go keep straight. going. Through. Let's okay. keep going. Right. Have we used the bathroom? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> you can't use the bathroom. Anyway, we're going to take a quick break. So here's a here's a little word from our sponsor, and we'll be uh, we'll be back after that. This year's Guitar Nerds Gear of the Year podcast series is sponsored by Isotope Spire Studio. Yes, that's right. We've spoken about this product loads over the last few weeks, but that's because we really, genuinely are incredibly impressed by it. In fact, even though we got sent a demo unit of the Spire Studio. Matt has even gone ahead and bought himself one because it really is a fantastic piece of kit that will really improve how you're demoing songs at home. So with this portable multi-track recorder, you can quickly and easily capture your songs at the highest quality via the built-in mic. It's a very good built-in mic. All the dual inputs. The Spire Studio automatically detects your instrument to sculpt the tone and set input levels. Wirelessly pair it with your iOS or Android device to add creative amps and effects, edit, mix, collaborate with bands. And mates and export your songs. It's now available at retailers like Sweetwater, Auto Music, Amazon, as well as Toman and Andertons in Europe. And between now and the end of the year, get a free standard Isotope plugin with the purchase of Spire Studio. Learn more at isotope.com forward slash spire forward slash nerds. Okay, so we're back, and now You're we're not recording uh, over the first episode, are you? Yeah, oh, yes, that's right. You turned, yeah, yeah, yeah. You turned the cassette over. Yeah, I've turned the cassette over. Yeah, we're yeah. all good to go did for you, the did second you part. Stick a pencil in and just make sure yeah, it's so all tight. Yeah, so wind it back. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah that's okay, exactly fine, what good. I did. Exactly what I did. So uh, this is the second part. We're now going to talk about that was all the guitars, all the guitars that we've decided to put forward. Um, next up, we're going to talk about amplifiers. So let's hand it straight over. Let's start the ball rolling with you, Mr. Matthew Knight. Uh, you're going to talk about uh, an amp. <laughs> <laughs> Generally how these things work. So, yeah, I want to talk about the Fender American Ultra... Wait, hold on. Um, yes, I want to talk about an amp, actually, that um, I did get a little bit of a chance to try. I thought it sounded absolutely fantastic. And I feel that actually it gives the guitar playing community something that probably a lot of people want. And I don't feel that many other amps actually kind of really give it to you it's the victory vc35 the copper which is basically their ac30 their their vox style amp um so hot rodded ac tones in the kind of standard victory uh lunchbox style uh amplifier um shape but it's it's something that i don't know what else is out there that really gives you that absolutely well i mean designed for like I tell you what, from Vox. Uh, t- yeah, Vox <laughs> with <laughs> that AC30 head, mate. No, but that's but, but that's the thing. It's like that's your if you want a Vox sound, you 
but you're like, oh, well, I don't want to carry around a massive well, AC30. I guess, what I guess, other uh, no, but not just transatlantic. the AC30. Even the AC30 head by Vox is massive. It's huge yeah. for a 30 water. This is a fantastic. Who doesn't love the sound of a Vox? This gives you the sound of a Vox without having to be that guy that turns up at a gig with a combo and doesn't have a you yeah. know a cab to share. But I, would, I would say Boogie Transatlantic. Um, they don't make it anymore. That's the the downside is that you could you know you'd still be able to find an old one, they but you don't. can't find. Any. But but of course, really? pri- that's a shame. I pri- really like those. Yeah, Price tag is putting this a, 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 a lot better value than a than a Mesa Boogie. So I think this those transatlantics thing. weren't weren't, oh, no, weren't they, they? They, they were, were a 12, grand. Yeah, maybe oh, a grand. That's roughly what this is, isn't it? Yeah, right. but they don't make it anymore. So oh yeah, okay. And we're not talking about Boogie. seven years ago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Um, so yeah, basically this is. You know, Victory's take on on the AC30, the hot rodded AC30. Um, so AC30s actually tend to be a really good um, pedal platform, but the way that they've designed the gain control, because if you've got four um, EL34s, I was going to no 84s, sorry, four EL84s, yeah, is that your gain control goes anywhere from really driven to really jangly and quite clean. But obviously, when you try and do that on an AC30, when you crank an AC30, when you listen to Brian May, for example, he's literally got nine AC30s on stage because they always blow up. So this is something where actually now you've got a much more modest 7-watt mode where you can really crank it for recording using it and still use it live if you wanted to yeah, and get really high-gain sounds out of it. You know, those kind of Vox um, style tones out of it, but at much more uh, lower volumes, and you can get some really sort of jangly Beatles esque cleans out of it as well. Sure. You know, you've got that sort of bass cut switch, um, you know, that gives you anywhere of that they say skinny British sixties pop jangle to something that's a little bit more sort of modern and boutique. Plus, I like the reverb in the Victories. It's somewhere between a plate um, and a room. It feels like very much its own thing. It's not trying to emulate a splashy spring or anything like that. Just really subtle, really usable. Um, nothing too over the top. Easy to carry. Um, obviously, all of these ones fit in the EasyJet uh, hold specifications. Right. Um, you know, for the luggage you're taking on a plane with you. Um, but yeah, doesn't for me, that mean that you can't take any other luggage? Though you can take a backpack. Oh, okay. I d- you didn't have to like put your pants in there. You didn't have to unscrew the amp. Yeah, and that, put your that, pants that in would the, be amazing. Though. In, the, in the in the actual amp. Um, but yeah, for me, I you know. They obviously they make the the V30 and the V40, which are very much the high gain and the clean pedal platform. And this sits nicely in the middle, has that sort of dare I say boutique feel without yeah. the the price tag, basically. Yeah. Um, and actually, you know, out of all the ones that I've tried, and I've tried pretty much the entire range, this one I kind of feel the closest to because I think it you can really dial in that sort of almost on the verge of breaking up but it's still clean enough to run pedals into the front and still use delays and reverbs I'm excited nicely. about this product I think it's great I think yeah. it's, a, it's a victory amp with a, it sort of sound like a slight on the rest of the range but a victory amp with some character with some real character no I can see I, I can totally see you know the V30 obviously came about because of you know Guthrie Govan and was like wanted like a, a two channel amp that was just kind of you know, straight down the middle, and the V40 is very much a clean amp, but it it feels like it has less character. This one feels like how a, a modern day Vox should be, and it yeah. feels like AC30s have never really progressed. No, exactly. This is the thing. I don't think Vox are doing that. I don't no, think they're I, doing a good job of carrying I, that range. I don't think it's necessarily Vox. I just think like the lunchbox head market right now. 
there's not much available and there's not you know these are if you want i would say if you wanted you know traditional vox then something like the ac15 head or ac30 head sorry um still a great product but it is what it is you know yeah, it's yeah. it's an ac30 head and it's you know it's in a big box and stuff and it's you know it's not really it's is great if you're doing you know gigs where you're taking like a car or whatever but if you're just like darting around on the train and, and or if you're flying in or something like that you know these are designed to to be super portable yeah. give you somewhere in the ballpark of that sound and it has some kind of a bit more of a kind of modern feel to it as well so yeah i mean i, I love vox amps this is just doing that but with some nice tweaks on yeah. it, that really a really the, nice modernised version yeah. of a, of a fan of an existing fantastic vintage. And they're kind of uh, alternative British amplifier in terms of sound. You know, everyone thinks, oh, Marshall. It's like, well, actually, there's a whole range of you know, yeah, great sort of British amp manufacturers. And this feels like it's to me. I always preferred like the rhythm vibe of a, of an AC style amp rather than a Marshall amp. Yeah. So, so what do we think categories-wise with the copper? Sorry, just before you jump into that, can I please just bring up another thing with this amp that uh, we haven't really spoken about, and that is... It's the, brown. It is brown, and um, the matching cab the oh, Victory do with yes. it oh, man, is that looks absolutely amazing. Yeah. It looks so classy. So it's a, it's a brown Tolex vertical 2x12, and uh, the fret cloth is kind of like basket a basket weave. It's yeah, it's kind of like a um, like a salt and pepper, but like maybe a bit like cream instead of salt. Cream, cream and pepper. Yeah, yeah. Sounds, <laughs> sounds lovely. Yeah. I love you know, it. I'm gonna have some for dinner. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh. Have that with a steak. Bloody lovely, mate. Um, and yeah, it's an open back cab. But interestingly, uh, the op- like it's open. If if it's a vertical cab. Imagine the middle third. Is that the bit is the bit. open bit. Yeah. Um, I, I I tell you what, the cab looks absolutely astonishing. And when you put when you see the amp sat on top of that cab, it looks. I mean, that is a really really classy looking uh, yes. combo. And actually, that the, the head is one of those ones where you have to see it in person to really feel the justice of the color. Totally, because it's like oh, it's. Uh, brown is it yeah. like i realized that it's it's copper and it's called the copper but like when you look at it on the internet it's like oh cool so it's brown but yeah. actually it's not like it's yeah. it, it looks again very classy yeah very cool. I, th- I think it's great i'm i'm gonna put it in best amp because i really really um think it should sit there um it's not really i mean i think it's not really the best looking thing i mean lunchbox amps look stupid <laughs> and the name is <laughs> after all that him saying yeah you know everyone else is making big amps and stuff you know it's a bit more oh lunchbox amps look stupid they do they do what about i was thinking most useful because you know you're thinking like oh i'm actually totally down with that because you're taking an actual problem which is that AC30s <laughs> are big, are massive, and weigh a ton. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And and Vox have not got a good solution for that. That is a, a fantastic. Yeah, I, th- I think actually, which, which would also cover a wide variety of gigs. You know, single yeah. channel as well. Stick yeah. some pedals in front of it, or you can just use that and a couple of boosts for the high gain. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm down with that. I'll put it wonderful. Well, speaking of things that that you know are sort of lightweight alternatives to things that weigh a ton, Jay Cross. Yeah, what, what Jay Cross is the hey, alternative? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, so a- actually, this is the not not wanting to show my hand too early, but this is my gear of the year, right. hands down. Okay. The uh, the tone. You said you didn't want to show them too early. I'm gonna do it. I've just done it. That's how confident I am in my own uh, my own abilities as a negotiator. 
I don't know where this is going. I don't know either. Um, the Tone Master Twin, Fender Tone Master Twin. I appreciate that two out of the three products I've spoken about so far have been Fenders, but it's, you know, we are I'm, where we I'm are. I'm sure people will take it up on the Facebook comments. Yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. Just go back to gear of the year 2013 when probably it was all Fender then as well. <laughs> but um, for me, the Tone Master Twin is the most, uh, the, just the best sounding uh, amp on the market at the moment. And it's cheap as all boots in comparison to you know kind of other big amps like this and super innovative so i'm gonna uh th- there's there's me putting my cards on the table and let's just take a take a step back and talk about what the time master is so the uh fender twin i've told the story on the podcast a billion times about how i had one and i took it back after one gig because it was too heavy um i always loved the sound of twins i just think it's just the best sounding amp you just you can't get one because nobody's got the ability to turn one up to any sort of gigable uh, or usable level outside of like a massive um, a massive concert hall. Yeah, um, that's always been the problem with them. Uh, and apart from that, they just are absolutely so heavy. So the thing that's good about the Tone Master is Fender has kind of taken the characteristics of it and made it into a uh, an amp that is usable and um and not going to break your back when you're carrying it around so essentially what it is is you know to kind of put it in in the most basic terms it's uh a solid state it's a digital amp that does one sound and that one sound is a fender twin no valves in it at all no valves in it at all so there's no valves it's uh it's just a digital uh, it's like so it's dsp but then the uh circuit boards are sent to the factory in corona and they the amps are built on the same uh the same production line that all of the 65 and 68 twins got are. it so they they're, they're actually all built on the same uh the same production line there's just no valves in them now there's a couple of other things in here which i think put it a little bit of a step above normal twins and that is these are uh it's like they're lightweight pine cabinets so they're they're super they're super light first of all and the speakers in there are uh jensen neodymiums speakers so they themselves are also super super light so it works out being about half the weight of a regular twin um and you really cannot believe how light it is until you pick it up. Like every time I go and pick one up, I'm bracing myself. And then I like, it's, it's just so, it's so light. I think it's, it's funny. I heard this at Summon Am and I was like, it's just twin, isn't it? Yeah. But then I played it today and was like, ah, I get it now. Cause it does feel, it sounds. <laughs> and then, yeah, like you say, you pick it up, but actually for me, it's the attenuation. Yeah. Oh, it's the actually, attenuation's mad. Yeah. And you know, Five the fact that they, tears? they leave, Jensen's in there, you know, like I say, you've got the pine cabinet. I mean, the balanced XLR is a cool feature, but I think most people who are probably using this are going to mic it up realistically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because even if you're taking it to a studio, you're probably going to mic it up. Those balanced XLRs have a impulse response. Yes, I know that, but I, th- well. I just think, again, I think the way that... I think it if would... you're buying this amp, you're buying a Fender Twin, you're, right. you're yeah, buying yeah. it because you want to crank it or you want the sound of a twin. And actually, I think 
like you say, just for portability, I can't see that many people using the attenuation super heavy, maybe like one notch and just cranking amp, something you probably wouldn't have been able to do normally. Yeah, well, so the thing that I've heard a lot about over the last uh, you know, couple of months with this amp is people talking about how the first Sex Pistols record was recorded with a twin, yeah. turned all, cranked all the way up. And you think about that kind of classic punk sound, you don't think of a twin. And the right. reason that it, it doesn't sound like what you expect it to sound like is because nobody has ever turned a twin up to 10 and lived to tell the tale. <laughs> Just it's, their flesh stripped yeah, off. Yeah, essentially. Like sort of Dr. Manhattan style. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so as you say, Matt, there's a there's a, yeah five-notch uh, attenuator. So you can go from, uh, from the full 85 watts down to 40, 22, 12, 5, and then 1. And uh, we've just been playing it here earlier. We were playing it on, on the 1 watt setting. What? That's what we've had it on? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's why we were able to turn the volume all the way up to 10 when we were trying some stuff. Right. When so, we wanted it a bit cleaner, we, we cranked it up to 5. Yeah. And then... Used, right. But, so that was that was my thing earlier. So my first um, experience with this amp has been today because we've been using it to test a bunch of stuff here um, and also obviously test the amp as well. And um, two things to take away. Yes, firstly, it's very light. Secondly, the 1 watt attenuation is fantastic for home use. Normally, 1 watts... I'm kind of like, uh, this doesn't sound great. It sounds okay, and it's not particularly usable. Whereas this, actually, I found it pretty usable, and you can crank the th- the amp up to ten. I I always think it's a mistake calling it one watt, five yeah. watt, because it instantly yeah, yeah, yeah. makes you think, oh, one watt. Yeah, yeah. I think just don't even just don't, yeah, quiet just put it on the lowest one. setting. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is it, it's headroom. not the thing. Well, bedroom yeah, totally. Headroom, that's yeah. a great way of putting it. But the thing is, it's obviously not uh, one watt, five watt. No, it's 85 watt, etc. Because it's a it's a, a digital amp, yeah, so actually it's 200 watts. watts, watts yeah, yeah. But it's 200 watts, which sounds like 85 watts when it's in terms of yeah, power. I'm power. guessing it's class D because that's why it would need 200 watts to be yeah. to mimic that same yeah. sort of output. So, um, so my key takeaways are the uh, yes, it's very light and it is easy to kind of cart it about. Second one is that for home, one watt uh, is very useful. But actually, the next setting up, which I think is five watt, right? Yeah was the one to... Because on the one watt, to be honest, it doesn't particularly sound like a twin, I don't think. It feels kind of a bit choked, but it's like super usable. On the five watt, we were able to have it on five watts, still find at home volume and get it up to about halfway on the volume control and it was still usable. But at that point, you're like, ah, get it. This sounds like a twin. It's got that kind of like... Chimey. Kind of chimey, but big kind of boisterous bottom end on it. Um, And... That was when we were like using pedals where we actually needed like a bit of clean headroom mm. and needed to hear them like things like chorus pedals and stuff like that. Um, that was the best setting, the five watt. And then I can only imagine that gets better and yeah. better as you take it out on stage and can actually put the full just, wattage yeah. for it. I can't see now why you would buy a normal twin. I, see, I actually completely agree with you. And the the the, the thing is, is that I wouldn't. I mm. did buy a normal twin. Mm. And it was too loud, and yeah, it was yeah. too heavy, and I couldn't use it. And I, yeah. I, I love twins. I think yeah. they, I think they're amazing. And um, and I, I just, I'll never be able to use I one. Think... And but this is this is yeah. usable. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Just 
Well, in compa- a great comparison is the, what, Princeton that you've got down there? Yeah. Which sounds great, but it is too loud to have in your house. Totally. Because totally. you can never get it past, like, just about on. Like, yeah, I mean, when I'm playing the Princeton, I can maybe get it to two. And it's actually... A much- and that's, that's like, 12 watts. Yeah, and it's a smaller box, but it's heavier than the uh, Tone Master that sat next to it. Yeah, mm. so, at, so as well as the Twin, there's also a Tone Master Deluxe. Yeah. Um, but... Exactly as you say, Matt. Why would you buy a, a you know a normal twin now? I also don't. Apart from there's you know a hundred quid or so extra, I don't really understand the benefit of the deluxe. I mean, instead the, of the twin, because I guess the deluxe has a diff. It does have yeah. a different sound to it. It does, yeah, yeah. But this. But does love, anyone if, play if, a deluxe for any reason other than well, they don't yeah, want I, the logistics of a twin? I think, you know, because we did discuss this and whether which one should go through, and obviously we've tried the twin. To me, that feels like if you're into playing with guitar pedals and you want a big, clean sound and you like... I mean, the one thing that actually really uh, was a bit of a home run for me, which is something that I think a lot of pedals fall down on, um, is the reverb. The yeah. reverb sounds just like a spring tank. Because I said to you, I was like... That's definitely a digital reverb because it feels like an actual, yeah, it sounds it, like a spring tank. It really does. It really and, does. And um, you can tell that, I mean, I, I don't know, but I'd imagine that the majority of all the processing and all the DSP in this has, has gone to make one thing and do one thing very, very well. And at first I really didn't get it, but having played it, I'm like, actually, this makes perfect sense. It's just taking the classic twin and moving it somewhere forward where it can continue to be its own thing. Yeah but be much usable. And the thing is, if you want a Fender and you want a Twin, you also don't really want to pay huge amounts of money for it and you obviously don't want to carry it. And this solves all of those problems. Yeah, so, I mean, when it comes to the price, there have been people talking about, you know, well, it's a £1,000. Why am I paying a £1,000 for a... uh for a digital amp? And, you know, I I get that. I can understand why why people would think that. But it's still a... uh, Yes, the, the circuit board and that is made in China, but... The amp is still an American amp. Yeah, yeah, you know the the chassis and the um and the pots and everything is all wired together. I mean, the chassis is made in America. All the other bits and pieces are put together mm. on the assembly line. I, I've, I saw them doing it when I was there. Yeah. You know, it's I, it's really Matt. It's it's a, a long. It's the same faceplate. It's a regular twin. Yeah, I think what's interesting though is if you've got a thousand pounds to spend. Or you're just looking, you know, realistically, if you want a Fender Twin, this is the amp for you. Or yeah, if you totally. want that big Fender sound, this is the amp for you. If you want something that you're not gonna you're not gonna spend that much money, but you want solid state or you want a valve, you're gonna buy a hot rod deluxe, or if you want cheaper, you're gonna buy something like a katana. But if you want a twin and you want something with Fender on it, this is the be- hands down the best option. Thing is, is you know, Hot Rod Deluxe obviously gives you a different sound because you've got the, the drive circuit in it, mm. but actually I don't even I don't even know if I buy a Hot Rod Deluxe now over no, I'd, over this. I'd, I'd have that. I think this oh, yeah. I I think 100%. this is this is absolutely because it's you know a great pedal platform in terms of you know yeah. tone sh- putting your putting your drive pedals through it and everything. I think the only thing it's it's not and I don't think and that's and it would never be that because it never started that is you couldn't say it was as versatile as some of the other amps on the list because it's not. It's, it's not, not meant to be. It's not meant yeah, to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Totally. Yeah, it, yeah. No, no. I, I, it's, I, I can get that. And forget. I, you got the yeah. foot switch. I'm because I'm guessing it's the same foot switch. Two buttons, just reverb on and off, and vibrato on and off. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So reverb and and as you say, I, the the reverb on there is I can is see truly where, amazing. I can see where these are going to be a hit. 
uh, like tour companies and loan companies and people oh, hire yeah, back yeah, get, backline because how many twins do they have where realistically the maintenance is constantly ongoing because bands taking them cranking them valves mm. smashed in transit all that sort of thing it's like this it's like it's just gonna work well i think also like um in-house in-house venue uh, yeah, backline. Absolutely, absolutely. And I'd, I'd say probably that more than backline companies because you know what bands are like. And it, as soon as you say to a, I think someone really needs to hear this mm. to know why you're getting it. Because yeah. if if you're a band and you're like, well, I'm going to hire, I'm going to hire an amp. What's the what's the going rate on a on the hire of a Joe? You probably know this better uh-huh. than anyone. What's the, what's the going rate on a hire of a twin? Fifty quid. Yeah, about fifty quid. Fifty yeah. quid. You know, so if you're going to spend fifty quid on that or. 50 quid on that you're going to say well I want the I want the real one you know without yeah. sort of thinking about what the implications of that are I tell you what the, you know what the ultimate competitor that I can see to this is and maybe it's just me you're going to say Katana aren't you no no <laughs> JC one Jazz Chorus JC yeah yeah totally 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 and I, I think the Diff- diff- very different sound though uh, yeah I mean but the thing is both about a thousand pounds yeah similar size similar feel one's obviously got um, chorus one's got vibrato yeah. but I think you know if you're looking at that sort of thing I think that's pretty that's pretty close yeah no totally I think the difference there is that um, you know twins are very cool and JC120 oh you're out of order <laughs> <laughs> are only are only are only medium cool so Jay where are you going to put this uh, this product in the uh, list um, I'm going to put this in uh, best amp I, yeah, I mean yeah absolutely I put it in best amp I'd also put it in most innovative and I think best overall product Okay. I'm happy wow. with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think those are, those are the three. I mean, best looking, I think, is totally, you know, it looks like a twin and it looks like every other Just kind out of there. classic Fender amp, but most useful. I did think about that. I think no, I would disagree. I, I'm personally. not sure okay. that it goes in most useful okay. because I think yeah. it's I think it's too yeah, big. It's actually, not useful in that sense. It's a digital modeling amp with only one amp that it models. Yeah, I, but I think when you put it like that, that's yeah. that's totally fair enough. Okay. I also think okay. in terms of in terms of how useful something is i think it's a bit too big okay yeah. i think Fine. i think it's real strong point is innovation yeah yeah, yeah. because Same. i think it's obviously and you know Fender they're, haven't they're really talked solving about it. a problem they haven't really talked about it in the market but there's obviously some really clever dsp that's going on in there some yeah. really clever processing to model exactly what's happening so yeah. so i heard somewhere that <laughs> the uh, <laughs> the um, Are you sure you can say i i think he's all right that um there's as much uh processing power in the in the reverb of that as there is in like the Mustang GT or something the whole for the whole thing yeah. and that's just on that uh just on that reverb Pentium 4 mate yeah absolutely yeah 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 yeah, yeah. there's actually there's, there's a there's a hamster in there that's just, it's not vegan unfortunately but uh, it does okay. come with a hamster and a wheel and cool, that's what cool. that's, how, that's I'm into how that, that. I'm into that nice. Mark Packer hello there What's your amplifier? <laughs> okay. Well, we're talking about classic amps, um, and this is one of the first amps that I saw this year. Um, yeah, this came out right at the top of the year. It did, right at the top of the year. The amp that I'm talking about is the Orange Tremlord 30. Very popular with our listeners. Very popular with our listeners. So the deal with this is this is a kind of orange amp quite unlike other orange amps um, in that it's combo only, 30 watts, um, but it's based on kind of classic uh, and I would say a, a non-orange amp. Does that uh, does that give enough kind of clues away about this, where it's the inspiration is from? This is very voxy. Um, yes, it's got some of that sort of vibe to it. I mean, they describe it as a uh, 
take on the 50s amplifier. Make of that what you will. <laughs> the 50s amplifier. A, br- a very British take on the 50s amplifier. So I would suggest it's more. So this is like a Selma treble and bass no, type. No, I would say it's um, more sort of fendery is what they're kind of going for. So the idea behind this, obviously, is, you know, orange amps have got a very particular sound in that, you know, we like to think of them as kind of thick sounding, kind of. Um, uh, like mid-ranged focused. Um, and they describe this as having a smoother top end. Um, yeah, it's, it's basically a classic amp, but a slightly different take from not what Orange would normally do. Um, the other thing, obviously, is you've got a two-spring a two reverb tank in there, yeah, and you've got, cool. um, I believe, valve-powered trem. valve-driven tremolo. Yeah. That, um, is, that, that, that is incredibly cool. Yes. Um, all the other things that you'd expect from Orange Amps these days. So you've got the bedroom-to-headroom switch, yeah. um, which uh, two levels of it. You've got bedroom mode, which is 2-watt or 1-watt, uh, or stage mode, you've got 15-watt or 30-watt, or the full 30-watts. The other say. thing with this amp that I think is really interesting is that Orange have actually tried to deal with the fact that people generally speaking don't think orange do a very good clean tone so yes. they've actually tried to rectify that exactly that yeah and this is really what that's kind of going after um and with, yeah so with the with the valve trim well no well they they've actually rectified their clean tone via the speaker which they've had a custom yep. made speaker uh by La Voce? Yeah. La Voce, some Italian company. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The idea being that this speaker helps to increase the sort of headroom and clarity of the the clean sound. Because, of course, if you're going to make an amp where your sort of features are, you know, a valve-driven tremolo and a a double uh, tank reverb, then it needs to have a good clean tone to be able to use with those. It's interesting that they've gone with that rather than just, you know, if they're looking for a kind of Fender-y type sound, that they haven't gone for just, you know, like a Jensen or something like that. Yeah. You know, so I that's, guess they're trying really to cool, do it really their own way. I mean, yeah, I actually totally. think having a, a valve-driven tremolo isn't an especially obvious route to go down for a tremolo. Uh, I mean, that's how, that's how lots of Fender amp oh, trims work. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So in 60... Fives and 68s, uh, certainly 65s. I think 68s might be optical. Right. Uh, I can't remember. I can't okay. remember. I don't, don't, don't quote me on that. No. So, um, I mean, the main reason I like it, obviously, you know, we can kind of quote the, sw- the spec and stuff, but for me, it is a fantastic sounding amp. Like you say, it's very much kind of clean focused, and that is a step in a different direction for, for Orange, as you mentioned. Um, it sounds very incredibly rich, incredibly dense sounding, but it keeps that clarity yeah. uh it's not something that's going to break up easily i i absolutely love this i did a demo video for this yeah. for for gek because it came out just before i'd oh yeah, I'd yeah. Left them so i and i actually compared it i did i uh compared it to an ac30 as in i actually did a a room to room sort of comparison with it yeah. because i do think even though obviously they have marketed this with that sort of like you know it sounds fendery in mind i thought it still had enough of that mid push and that soup to it that I thought it sounded more in line with the Vox AC30, so I I compared those two in the video to sort of show the differences and similarities. But I thought it was one of the best amps I've heard in a long time. I thought the clean was incredible. I thought the tremolo was gorgeous and sort Mm. of rich and had loads of depth, and the reverb was just sort of lovely and spanky. I thought it was wonderful. And also Guitar Magazine awarded this their gear of the year this year. Well, there we go. 2019 gear of the year. This is, if you've always disliked orange amps and you want a reason to try and go back to them this is something to make you want to do it because it's so very different to things they've done before definitely yeah definitely and that was really kind of eye-opening for me when i heard it is you know for for me orange amps uh 
you know, they have their house sound. And this was the first one where I was like, ah, that's more in line with the uh, another brand. And um, <laughs> that's the sound that I generally feel more at home with. Um, but you get all the cool orange stuff, you know. Obviously, yeah. the build quality is fantastic. Um, everything you'd expect from normal orange in, in the... Well, I mean, the other thing is it just looks really cool. Uh, it looks fantastic. Yeah. The top-mounted controls. I love that they're sticking with this, uh, uh, just the hieroglyph. Uh, yep, sort of, picks-only kind yeah, of Picks-only sort of logos. Yeah, lovely, perfect. I, I just, I can't think of a situation that this isn't perfect for, you know. It's uh, it's also not to make a money at the moment. I think they're going for like 829, That's which if you're looking price. for a kind of like, I mean, it's a gigging amp, you know. They're, a, they've got the headroom-to-bedroom switch, but obviously it's quite a big box. It's a 30-112, yeah. you know. It's got, a, well, it's got a proper weight to oh, it. Oh, it's a 112? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. 30, 15, 2 or 1. Yeah, yeah. So again, headroom-to-bedroom switch in there. But yeah, I think for me, you know, this is kind kind of like um if you're doing you know like pubs or clubs or like bigger stages this is where this is really going to shine it's really going to kind of open the amp yeah. up at that sort of volume it, um, has it got an extension speaker out I can you plug an extension speaker uh, in? i imagine so i would have thought yeah, extension cabinet options yes yeah you See do user manual yeah, there we go. Yes, there's oh, a Maddie, few. That's your favourite. I love a user manual. Also worth mentioning that it's got an effects loop on there as well. I which just think other stacked with another one twelve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, very definitely, cool. very definitely. cool. This is definitely a fantastic problem uh, pro- product, and uh, <laughs> it's, a fantastic <laughs> fantastic problem. it's a fantastic product, <laughs> and it's really like this is uh, something that was missing from Orange's catalogue, and I'm really glad they've sort of plugged that hole. They've sort of released something that actually Orange have never had as an option before. It's it's a welcome product. It's got all the great build quality of Orange, but it's for people who. Yeah, you know, aren't necessarily into that orange sound. So you get all the all the access to all that incredible build quality and the fact that, you know, yep. they're just a wonderful brand. I think that price is very competitive as well with Absolutely. the other things that are available. Absolutely outrageous so, price. In terms of uh terms of categories, I'm going best amp and this is gonna be my first I think this entry might be the best amp. into um best overall product. Okay, wonderful. I think uh, I was blown away when I heard it and uh, I've heard it since I've actually um heard it in kind of a live setting and just really worked. Really oh really? Works. Who who used um, it? Who was using one? Can't remember. Can't remember. Okay, but I remember it fitting in cool. well, um, which is something that you know that kind of uh, you know orange tends to sit well with the bags. They're so mid range focused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. sometimes things that are more fendery can sometimes get lost depending on the band. But this you know sat like really nicely in the mix and stuff. So it's um, it's interesting what you said about uh, it kind of you know, being a different type of orange sound. Cause I, I think my favorite orange amp of the last few years was the dual dark, which yeah, was, right. you know, a very different type of sound that they were doing. And so for them to be doing something like this as well, I think it's really cool. You know, yeah, very different. A fantastic product. Matthew Knight. Um, we're going to talk about our first sort of real, real boutique brand. Uh, of, yeah, of and actually a brand that when I spoke about them before, um, no one had really heard of, including myself until until I saw them at Fuzz Guitar Show earlier this year. And actually, um, when I was talking about them back then, they don't actually have any distribution outside of Scandinavia. So I think this one's um, a little bit of a weird one for a lot of the people probably listening to this because you probably wouldn't have got a chance to try one. Um, but when I was out there, I tried uh, the Little Hill from Olsen Amplification based out in Sweden. Um, and this kind of amp really sort of blew me away because I never like two-channel amps. And right. this is a two-channel amplifier. Yeah. It's also and, a high-gain amplifier. And it is also a high-gain amplifier, but it was just not you. It, well, yes and no, but 
Um, I think the thing for me was, uh, and I didn't realise until it actually came out, because I tried the prototype, and then obviously I was lucky enough to get one. It was designed in conjunction with the guitar player from Opeth, and they are very much a band that ranges from ultra-sparkling clean to, like, crushing distortion. Well, of course. Opeth, the, the the only sort of death metal band ever to suddenly become a sort of 70s prog band. Yes. <laughs> um, so this is a 2EL84 20-watt um amp head with two channels uh clean channel and a drive channel but the clean channel and the drive channel in a way are kind of a little bit interchangeable because you can get some pretty crunchy sounds out of the clean channel um but there is so much gain on tap but really usable not noisy it feels something that it's not just like this is a metal channel it just it just feels like a really good like souped up hot rodded um el84 amplifier but the clean channel is super super sparkly one thing i absolutely love is that it's got a serial effects loop with both um send and return levels so if you want oh, that's you can really actually cool jump those and then use it as a boost so you've actually got an onboard boost as well <laughs> that's cool. um presence control which is overall which kind of adds a nice amount of sparkle the gain channel does wind down to a little bit of a crunch channel um now i've been using it quite a lot just as a clean amp for um, just as a pedal platform, running yeah. it in stereo. Well, it's a actually, whopping 85 watts, I guess, isn't it? Uh, well, it's it's 20, it's uh, 85 watts is the power consumption, 20 watts is the oh, actual Oh, sorry, output. right. Okay, I misread um, that. But yeah, you've effectively got a super simple layout. I almost look at it as like two single channel amplifiers. It's not like you've got these like treble volume bass for every channel and then presence for every channel. It's dead simple to use. Um but for me, it's just like a really, really versatile gigging amplifier. Unfortunately, it's something that a lot of people aren't going to be able to get their hands on easily. But I definitely think it's worth taking the plunge. It's a really, really killer amplifier. And obviously, I bought one. So, yeah, you know, I, fantastic. it's, it's and something. Have, and you got yours in pink as well. And I got mine in pink. So that's obviously <laughs> a, um, you know, a real plus. But yeah, one thing... It, just the drive never sounds fizzy. I think that's why I've always never gone for two-channel amplifiers. Right. And something that I want to get a little bit more into, which is why I'm glad that I've got this one, is because it's got an effects loop. I want to start trying like more four cable methods. So running, you actually using the drive in the amp as my drive sound, but still being able to use delays and reverb by using sort of like four cable method and something. So I feel that actually yeah. if I was going out to a gig, you know, even though I've got a Morgan amp now, this is something that gives me a little bit more versatility. Um, and the only thing I'm sort of debating is if it goes in best amp, no one else here has tried it. So I think it's going to be difficult for me Tough. to try and uh, win that. Um, obviously, I would partly like to put it in um, best looking, but obviously only mine's in pink, which is not a standard color. Um, but I do like it in most useful. Um it's a, it's a tricky one, really. I don't know what you guys are thinking, if you've got any sort of thoughts on it. It's it's tough, because I think looking at some of the other amps we've got in here that are a little bit more generally well-known... I, re- I really think it should go in best amp. I think let's put it in there. Let's argue it out, and then um, we'll take it from there. I would say most useful, but I think maybe everyone could not, would need to give it a little bit it, more yeah. play. Yeah, I mean, I think out of all of us, I think you've, you're the only one who's heard this, so very difficult to comment on uh, on this one. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Now, uh, now, next up, I'm going to talk about the first, and I think probably the only bass amp um, that we're including in the entire yeah. in the entire running here. Not not a brand that I'm normally 
Oh, yeah. On board with. Now you come crawling <laughs> back. There we go. Um, yeah. Oh, did I tell you that, you know, my Ashdown cab blew up on tour? Right. Did I tell you about that? No, no. I, d- I did, did definitely... Were you forced to use a Mark-based cab? No, 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 no. That, that is fine because I have two of the same. So okay. we went and got the, the second one. My head blew up on the last night as well. It, I, I think <laughs> Too many drugs. Yeah, this just, is, yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. Your actual head blew up. <laughs> this is nothing about those amps. It says more about you... Uh, mistreating those amps. Oh, yeah, I think that is true. the main yeah, thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's probably right. Anyway, but uh, no, I still you know, Ashdown stuff still sounds the best. Anyway, this uh, the the product we're going to talk about here is the Mark Base Little Mark Vintage, um, which is a new edition. So the, in the Little Mark chassis, with, which is the very very small chassis, only downside of this the these style chassis is they only have one um, uh, amp attachment thing. Okay. Speaker output. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> One, One attach- amp attachment. God, we've been recording them for too long. Yeah, really. this is. We are over the two-hour mark now. Um, so yes, yeah, which which I've always thought was a shame because a lot of people, you know, do use two cabs. It's it's not the end. Of the, it really is not the end of the world, is it? But just but, get a bigger cab. Well, yeah. I've got an eight by ten downstairs. If you want to borrow it, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> but the little no. Mark Vintage. So they've done, they've done uh, little sort of um, valve uh, preamped Mark bases before. But this this one's uh, absolutely fantastic. So Mark bases are actually pretty good at doing a vintage sound, even if they're not uh, necessarily um, n- necessarily known for it. Um, they they've done things. They 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 always had their um, their uh, VPF and V VFE VFE, um, which was one of them was VLE VLE, which is vintage sorry. loudspeaker v- emulator, which was wonderful um, for sort of creating just knocking off some of those uh, like some of the treble and really accentuating the low mids, which is exactly what you want. And with the little Mark Vintage, you basically get that on tap plus a built-in limiter for the sort of valve in the preamp, which is fantastic. And then um, you've got a global flat scooped or old style eq so flat what we're talking about is whether or not the mids are pushed essentially and yeah. that's what it means by old it means we're getting pushed mids plus the limiter on the uh uh on on the actual valve preamp and then you've got that sort of classic four band eq low low mids uh high mids and and high um uh controls on the front Fantastic! Just a, you know, a really great sounding little product. This is the the cool thing about this is it's a vintage amp. You're getting those vintage tones without having to buy a great big box. And this is one of the the biggest problems is there are plenty of these tiny little fit in your pocket amplifiers. They all sound crap. Well, they all they don't all sound crap. They all sound they're all that class D sound, that modern choked, scooped sound. And no one, no brands that do vintage sounding amplifiers are doing a good job of doing these sort of fit in your pocket, very easy to tour amplifiers. Thank goodness Mark Baser brought something to the table with this. I never thought I'd hear you say this. Well, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's an it's an absolutely wonderful product, and they do it very well. Like we know that we know you know from experience that valve preamp is something that works well on bass amps that hasn't translated so well over onto guitar amps. But certainly, um, Mark Bass seem to have an ability for making their class D stuff sound just a little bit less choked, a little bit less class D E. And uh, class DE is that class a new D-E. class? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I heard yeah. That one before. Yeah, um, that's what can, it is. Can I point out something that I think you missed out? Right. Yeah. Sure. There's a couple of really big knobs on here. 
and they look fantastic. Yeah, but <laughs> that's a bit out of order, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, all right, but... Um, no, he said we look fantastic. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do look fantastic, just massive knobs. Uh, yeah, no, the gain and master knobs on here are probably, I would say, three times the size Very of oversized. the EQ uh, and the other bits and pieces that are on there. They just look really cool. It looks very satisfying. Yeah, to- it's it's... It's crank great. up. It's a great looking product. One of my favorite things on here is having this limiter control um, that, that reacts with the valve preamp. So to, to explain how the, the limiter control uh, offers a modern reaction when you set it all the way up and put it down to zero to create an old generation behavior. <laughs> I guess that is more kind of going to make a voting habit. Is that going to be? Well. Is that, <laughs> that going to be like less compression? Um, is presumably max limiter is like a. It's going to give. It's going to offer more compression. Yeah, you're going to get. You're going to get all those uh, t- in in the off position. I guess you're going to get all of those like soupy low mid that sort you're of. Going to get that kind of flub. Yeah, that's flub. It. Flub's the word, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. But um, but just a, a wonderful a wonderful product that also everything on there that makes it vintage is also you can shut those things down and still use this as like a little Mark sounding head. So yeah. you've got all of the normal Mark based features there, but. With the ability to, you know, have that old style EQ preset with the accentuated mids, have that limiter off, so you've got all the uh, all that flubbiness, and I just, I just think, yeah, I'm what what a fa- thank you, Mark Bass, for for making a vintage sounding amplifier in this tiny chassis. So and another thing that's quite cool on here, and I I didn't I couldn't quite work out what it was for to begin with, but it's, it's got foot switch, uh, it's got foot switch input. And I was trying to work out what the foot switch would do, but actually, you, I think it comes with a single button foot switch. Uh, is it? Yeah, I think it comes with a single button foot switch, which is just a mute. Um, and you could, but you can also use it with a dual button foot switch, which allows uh, a mute or a EQ bypass. Oh, that's cool. Which is quite, which that's is quite very neat. cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and and it's also you know I didn't mention but it's part of this new gold line series of Mark Bay stuff which is supposed to be just a pre- premium components so uh, so a very cool product so how much indeed. It is? Um, the it's six nine nine the little Mark Vintage. Oh, that so, seems uh, really reasonable. Yeah, so like a really reasonable for a, for a base head for something that you can use in any gigging situation yeah, yeah. and could be anything from modern to vintage. Certainly, you want to talk about versatility from a base head along with portability. You know, along with reliability, this is kind of this is the the whole package and uh, an excellent job from uh, from Mark. So you're business. saying this is going in best overall product. <laughs> you're just trying to get me to spend my best overalls. I'm putting it in most innovative. <laughs> <Pardon>. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I, there's another another cool little thing on here on the website. Uh, there's a there's a quote from uh, Marco, the owner of Mark Base. Uh, I am Marco. Yes, uh, yes, that's it. He is. That's his quote. That's his quote. I am Marco. Yeah, it's like Groot. Um, No, it says here: eighteen years of tone history featured on a jewel that's ready to satisfy any bass player. There we go. Which I think is very romantic. A very sexy man. Very, very sexy man. Also, eighteen years. So that means that they started in two thousand and one. When did you start working at GAC? 2001. Right, okay. Do you reckon there's anyone in the country who has sold more Mark Bay amps than you? I mean, still? probably now. No, probably now. But I mean, you know, I did used to sell quite a lot. So I am Mark. Please buy my amp. Yeah. I'm adding the little Mark vintage to most useful and most innovative. 
There we go. There we go. So next up, Mark Packham, you're going to talk to us about what almost definitely is the winner of Gear of the Year this year. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about that, but maybe. I want to talk about the Supro Blues King 12 combo. Absolutely. Uh, so as we know, Supro have been doing some good things uh, for the past few years. Um, this is their kind of take on the 15-watt uh, tube combo um, designed... I guess to go head to head with things like uh, the Blues Junior. This um, is easily the, the best looking amplifier potentially well, we'll ever made. Talk about that. <laughs> talk about that towards the end of At this. The best bit. price. But, um, it's it's very very well priced. So price wise, we're talking about what five nine nine five four nine five four nine. So um, it's it's you know what it's aiming up for. It's you, it's aiming for that kind of Blues Junior market. Um, interesting things about this twelve eight seven valve amp and then six L six. Uh, tube amp, uh, power uh, tube. Sorry, so it's. I guess it's going after. I mean, it's going after that Fender sound. You know, six L six would be the the valves like from a twin. Um, it's very much going after that. Pretty interesting features as well. You've got a boost and uh, an extra gain switch on there. So like two levels of boost on there. Built in reverb, three band EQ. Um, it just sounds fantastic. 12-inch speaker obviously opens up the sound a little bit as well. There is an 8-inch version as well, but the 12-inch to my ears sounded better, just sounded sweeter, which, you know, you'll get off a You a, think a 12 is better speaker. than 8? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The 8 Always is def- sounds better. The 8 the eight is like more direct sounding and it's got yeah. kind of more pronounced mid-range, but for me, you know, I prefer a bigger speaker in a combo. Um, and yeah, just sounds great. You've also got effects loop and stuff in there as well. Um, analog spring reverb. Um, there is a line output, but you know, I think a line output is just for a valve amp with any like out any um, IR or anything yeah. like that. It's just yeah, forget I about think, that. I um, think this, you know, everyone wants the crown. Everyone wants the Blues Junior crown, totally. and I think it's very very difficult to go after that type of business, but. If someone was just going on looks alone, I, w- I would take I this? would take the yeah. Supra I mean, like straight away. That I is think the that thing. looks wicked. There's so many people kind of in this market, and people are doing it in a variety of different ways. Whether whether they're going digital, whether they're going after the you know authentic all valve. Supra have chosen to go down the all valve route, but yes, the key thing is the looks on this amp. You know, if you're someone who is if this is going in your living room or it's going in your studio or whatever, uh, and you want something that looks kind of authentically vintage, um, then this would certainly do that for you. But the key thing really for me is it sounds great. You know, there's a, like we said, there's a ton of people going after that, that blues junior, uh, market, that small, uh, all valve combo market to me, for my ears, this is one of the best sounding, you know, I, I, uh, I love the fact that it's like I said, love it's 12 inch speaker and sounds a bit more open. Yeah. Um, yeah, just sounded very dynamic to me. Build quality is fantastic. Looks great. Uh, not really much more to say. Obviously price is fantastic as well. Under, under 600 quid. It's the only thing oh, it's yeah. missing for me is nothing. Um, which is a feature they built into a couple of their other amps before, which was the reverb only output. So you oh, can yeah. output yeah. just the spring tank. Yeah, but wasn't that wasn't that in a what was that series called? Because that was I can't remember. I just thought it would be cool if you could output the spring tank as a separate. Why do you want to do this? Yeah, just why not? <laughs> there is because so- I think I think actually it wasn't just an output; it was an input. So I think you could use just the spring tank as well if you wanted to. So <laughs> yeah, I brought my I brought my reverb pedal. Yeah. Like, hey, what is it? It's 60- an entire the um, the sixty three <laughs> Fender spring tank is like 
five nine nine. And yeah, it probably did. probably weighs go. more than the Blues King. Discontinued so. now. I would, uh, I would go as and far as to say that no no one listening to this podcast has a good enough reason not to own a Supro Blues King. So I think it's I think it is important <laughs> that we you know we, we've said that it looks good, but I think. To, to get an idea of what it looks like, you need to imagine like an old 1930s radio. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's that. what it looks like, and that's what they're going after. But it looks like a 1930s radio if that had been built in 2019. Yeah, I think it's like in 1931. No, no, no. Yeah, in uh, it, it, it look it looks amazing. They so, look so so close, and I think quite often amps that go after that kind of you know, 30s radio aesthetic do look a little bit cheesy but, or look yeah, a little bit chunky. Yeah, you're totally right. But also, I find a lot of those amps that go after that sort of look then don't back up the amp by actually sounding yeah, really good. Uh, yeah, totally. or, it's yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, it's meant to sound bad. Yeah, it's exactly. Me- like, look what it looks like. It's meant to sound bad. Yeah, it's like, exactly. No, but, that's yeah, not yeah. the point. But this is, this is, you're getting all that quality of Super. You're getting something that probably does give the, uh, the Blues Junior a run for its money tone-wise, but also... It, it looks fantastic yeah. and it doesn't just it looks high quality as well as looking and retro and I think that's versatile important. as well you know so you've got volume and master output so you can drive the front end plus there's that boost and gain switch on there as well yeah. so ton of sounds full three band EQ I mean it, it's where are just, we going with this categories um, I think I want to put it in best amp Absolutely. I do want to put it in best amp um, and I think <laughs> I will also put it in best looking because I feel it's got a strong shout um, absolutely we've got no there. other amps in there right now and I think uh, it's for me, it's a fantastic looking product. It absolutely belongs there. Now, um, next up it is me. I've only just realised that it's me. So, I just <laughs> <laughs> um, so just while you're um, pulling yourself together, Joe, yeah. I just wanted to. Uh... I'm glad that's why he was. That's why he was pulling, not something else. Um, so the uh, the the super amp that you were talking about with regards to the um, the reverb out is on their uh, Galaxy sixteen oh five. The, the 64 reissues, so this is the 1605R is the one that's got um, got the wet-only output as well. I want that. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like. Can you give it to me? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got one upstairs. Oh, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. Thanks. Yeah. So the next product we're going to talk about is one of the most innovative products of 2019 simply through its sheer simplicity and and kind of attention to the market and understanding of what a modern guitarist needs from his rig. We are his talking rig. about... Or her rig. Sorry, that's terrible. Um, uh, we are, of course, talking about the Orange Pedal Baby 100. Now, the Pedal Baby is an absolutely fantastic idea because it is a 100-watt Class A B uh, power amplifier um, with like a, you know, a completely sort of neutral flat tone. So you, you can use this the idea is you use this with your your preamp pedal or you know alongside your your helix yeah actually one of the best video reviews of this recently um slightly biased from me uh coming from me but was mcrocklin um yeah. who obviously was on tour doing his band supporting dragon force did a whole thing for orange using the gt1000 with the pedal baby and he was like yeah right. it's a great way to run it into proper cabs and use it on stage 
um, but have all the amp modeling and everything in there as well. Yeah, it does actually have a basic set of EQ on it, so it's not actually technically, I guess, a power amplifier. You do have bass and treble, but then just your your master volume. So you can use this kind of on its Todd, but that's absolutely not what it's designed for, and only a fool would make a video of running their guitar Leave straight into this. <laughs> 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 um, uh, but, you know, it doesn't even have to be a big sort of digital pedal board, even if you, you know, you've got a, a wonderful collection of of pedals on a massive pedal board and you you know you fancy running a like a two notes clean at the at the end of your pedal chain into the front of this and then controlling everything off of the board i just think this this amplifier is exactly what the marketplace needed for in in a world where people's pedal boards are getting bigger let alone the people who are playing helixes and stuff um but you know certainly for for people uh, like me when i had the helix i i i love the versatility of having something like a gt1000 or a helix and having all of the things you can do with that one thing i never ever want to sacrifice is having an amplifier behind me that's i don't ever want to lose that and this yeah, yeah. this opened up that this allows well, that's, that that's the thing is there's there's a lot of products um you know that have come out like the Strymon Iridium. Yeah, you know? and again, I think it's a great product. But ultimately, you're going into a PA, you're being fed into monitors, or you know, you're using a powered cab with it, and it just ne- it feels like playing guitar through studio monitors, which is something I've never enjoyed. No, no, Where this means that you could have a preamp pedal at the end of your pedal chain, simply go into this when you're going to gigs. This would probably fit in a little custom built case with your with your pedal board. And you're always going to get the same sound. You just go into a cab and away you go, and you've exactly. got that cab behind you. Exactly. I think that's, and that's I think a killer it's, idea. It's so wonderful. Like the, things like buying a pedal, baby. These these are not like a, a a large chunk of money. We're talking about two nine nine for you know for a hundred watt power ramp. And the thing is. What I kind of love is even if you're not into Helix and stuff, you can make this into whatever you want affordably because, of course, preamp pedals don't cost the earth. So if you want... Well, yeah, I mean, you can get those the, little Moore ones. Those ones that came out. How many of those were there? Like 25 exactly, or something? Exactly, exactly. And Sansamp have a fantastic yeah. range of preamp pedals, as do um, as the Two Notes and stuff like that. There are loads of great preamp pedals on the moment. There's, there's you know, a JHS Clover that we've got at the moment that you could run at the front of this and turn this into a jazz chorus. You know, get the... Get the Sansamp, a you know AC simulator and turn this into a Vox for you know another couple of hundred quid. It, it's just this can be whatever you want and you can change it whenever you want. It kind of means that it it kind of takes your amplifier out of the equation for being an expensive part of your setup that defines your tone. You can redefine your tone whenever you want based on what preamp pedal you're running into it. Just access to 100 watts of completely clean headroom without that sacrifice of having to be digital. I just yeah. think I, I also, I really like how kind of self-aware the name is as well, apart from anything. like yeah. I, I, You know, calling it the pedal baby. Put pedal in the name. Well, totally. You know, I, I think that 10 years ago, no companies would have dared to go down the route of calling it something, calling it the pedal, you know, making it sound like it's, okay, look, so what what are you saying? Your amps aren't good enough or whatever. It's just like, no, yeah. there are lots of people out there who rely so heavily on pedals for their sound. Yeah. But having this as an option, you know, I think it's I think it's great. great. I think it's a very, I, very cool I product. I would even go as far to, use, to say, and I think we discussed it when it came out, just using it 
as a second power amp source if you want to run like a wet dry rig. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like that. It's two hundred ninety nine pounds. Yeah, 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 well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just run all your you know delays and modulations in that super clean, and just you know have your sort of killer sounding amp doing all the yeah. drive. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. The dry stuff. I just no, think, I think you know, it, I think it's I think it's option. a really good point. And Matt, I think it's interesting what you bring up about how you know this instead of like a Strymon Iridium or something. Mm. You know, not looking to give too much away, but with future episodes to come but like you know there's been a lot of these kind of ir type preamp pedals that have come out over the last few months and we're not really talking about any of them no uh, for gear of the year simply because it's just not the sort of thing that we would normally well, use the thing is and, and this and this is is, is my point you what know? you're always missing and you know i think the tone master's done it very well um even though i don't think it's class ab is having that real feel you know that class a b amp that push and pull of a you know real amp behind yeah. you it makes a big difference um and that's one thing you lose with all these preamp pedals so you know because most people go preamp pedal and then they'll just go into a solid state thing or they'll go into something like the strymon iridium with this allows you to go into a classy a b amplifier and it feel exactly how you yeah want it, it reacts to. properly you know realistically most of us aren't going out there and doing loads of gigs or loads of you know high-end you know performances or whatever we just want something that sounds great at home and this is a great option for yeah that. I, I completely agree um now i am adding this to best amplifier because i i, I think through its simplicity it might oh, well be and and i'm adding it to uh three categories actually i'm putting it in best name just for its yeah. self-awareness and i'm putting it in most innovative See, i think most this, innovative through its simplicity i think most useful oh that's a good okay well, i'm giving it four categories okay, yeah. Fine. It's going yeah, crazy. Okay. It's, it's going in all of those because it is an absolutely brilliant you put it put it in best guitar as well i'm gonna put it in best guitar that's right. a great idea now uh we are we are down to the last product which is a really good job because we're on to our third hour yes which I'm, actually i'm really bored of uh, you people I, being I, in I, my I've house i've got to be honest i don't even know if i think this file is now too big for me to even release as a single episode. Nah, we can do it no no it's probably too no too it'll be long. fine It'll go. It'll go. Just, just okay. go through. Just go through and and ed- edit out it. the bits where you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Joe? Yeah. Okay. All right. So we're so we're on to Matt. Matt, this is the last product we're going to talk about product. on this podcast. Yeah. So this um, we would have spoke about this way back in January. Okay. And that is time. <laughs> so <that's- laughs> and um, I think I kind of I'm trying to think of a way to explain this in a simple as way as possible so well, I can first. do it I can do it it's a volume pedal <laughs> <laughs> I hate you Joe Branton I really do say what uh, the product is okay so the Boss Waza Tube Amp Expander um, so taking pretty much everything that we've talked about uh, so far and over the last year and cramming it into one box this is a reactive load attenuator uh, with inbuilt effects as well so First of all, uh, reactive load, so you can plug your amp in without going into a speaker cab, and it mimics the feel and response of what the, the you call the impedance curve of a speaker. Now, unlike other uh, units on the market, it will allow you to model, in the analog world, 16 different types of input impedance um, speaker impedance so 16 different cab types so you can match a marshal to the kind of speaker impedance that a marshal would see to get its optimum performance same for a fender or an orange or anything like that you then go into a digital section that gives you an effects loop and um, so really handy if you're using old amps for example you can add in delays and reverbs you know if you're cranking an old jcm 800 
You know, you can add in delays and reverbs without it going straight into the front end. You can add reverb, which is handy for some of those sort of amps as well. Um, <clears throat> and then you've also got channel change. So if you want to channel change your channels remotely. Now, where I think it really um, becomes a tool for live use is the fact that all of those things can output to cab, which is something that you struggle with on every other product on the market. You can go in, you can crank your amp, you can set it down to a volume that you want, but you can still add reverb and, you know, delay and those sort of things, which you can't do in any other way. There is no way to do it. So yeah. for all those people that bought huge Marshall stacks and Mesa Boogies and stuff 25 years ago who have had to leave them in the garage because they can't use them and they've moved to a smaller amp or they've moved to something like a Strymon Iridium and go, I really miss the, the feel of a real amp behind me. This gives you the option to actually go out, grab the amp, crank it up and use it through a cab at low volumes, use it into headphones or output it into studio monitors for recording. Now, there's like a million things that I could sort of dive into that this does. I mean, I love the fact that you can, it loads everything down to line level and runs it through a 100 watt power amp rather than attenuating it because when you attenuate, you tend to lose a lot of tone and a lot of like feel of the amp. Um, but I also like things that in fact you can use it as an interface. You can buy, yeah, you know, you can have really it up cool. in the studio, you know, put a, an amp on top of it, plug it, plug in the speaker cable USB, and then use that as your interface as you want. You know, I think that's a really nice feature. I think it's nice that you can add headphones to it. Um, the fact that it's, like I said, it's got an effects loop. It's just like the ultimate Swiss Army knife for anyone who wants to get the most out of their amplifier. Now it is expensive. I mean, there's you know, there's no denying it's you know retail. I think RRP is like eleven nine nine, so it's not cheap. But yeah. if you spent a lot of money on an amp and you can't get the best out of it, you either have to change what amp you want to go for, which means that you're not getting what you want, or you can go for something like this that allows you to you know have the ultimate utility tool to get the best out of your amp at yeah. home or live. Um, now. For me, the only thing is, it's not really an amp, so it doesn't really sit within. That was the best place we could put it, though, because we do amp. have like an exactly. other category. But I don't think it's best amp. <clears throat> no, I but what, what I would say is just to uh, round up what you just said. For me, actually, I don't. I'm not sure I see the value in this as like for a normal home user or a normal live user. It's more this is like a professional bit of kit yeah. that studio users would use, or if you're like doing like professional gigs where you can't it's well, not just you know take a combo chuck it on the stage put a mic on it mm. for bigger things than that yeah. it's like a professional well tool, i think there's, you know. there's a couple of things that have that have stood out for me in terms of of use one of them which you saw um when you um Jared mark came to uh, our studio metropolis studios and heard us set it up where we had a cab mic'd in the live room we had the head in the control room so you can still play around with it but we were feeding the line outs and the internal irs into the desk and then you can mix between the two yeah. so you can sit in the control room play with the amp feel it through the monitors but you're still micing up a real cab yeah and at the same time you can blend in a mixture of your own irs this, as well. it's such a fantastic studio tool yeah so yeah. i think that that was that was really one of them and then you know guys like um rabia for example who have got it wired in racked into their desk yeah and they've just got a speaker jack hanging out that they can just go off oh, just go into any amp and then live, being able to, you know, you never know what cab you're going to get. If you're going to take your Marshall amp everywhere, but you've asked for a 2x12, you could end up with a 1x12 or a 4x12 or anything. 
and they're all going to sound different. They're all going to make your amp feel different. Because it's got that reactive load in there, it really allows you to make sure that you're getting the same consistent performance out of your amp every night. And if the cab's really crappy, you can go XLR out, so then you've, yeah. you know, you can still use your own impulse responses. Or, as you said, for high-end gigs, people are starting to use them for in-ear monitors. Yeah. So you get the same sound in your in-ear monitors every night, you know, consistently. Yeah, that's where it seems like to me. And just looking at categories, for me, it seems like most useful or most innovative. Yeah. Don't really know where, how you feel about that. but Yeah, I, I think um, there's a couple of things that I probably rank over for best overall. But I definitely think in terms of useful and, you know, in terms of innovation i think they're the two categories it's really do it I'd, I, yeah i'd say i'd say that for both of those yeah. as well yeah yeah plus i want to save my points <laughs> <laughs> okay fair enough but we can always add we can always change these around later this isn't a final I, um, final list i think the the tough thing with this product specifically is you've got to have the understanding and the knowledge of what this product really does yeah. it's yeah. you know and from and from what i do for my job and explaining it to people that the more I've done it over the last twelve months, the more I've like stripped back yeah. what it does because most people like you lose them at reactive Look, load. I, yeah. I do think yeah, this yeah. is <laughs> totally, totally this yeah. is a tricky product to explain for people because to a large extent it to to some extent it doesn't solve a problem that exists. Or it doesn't solve a problem that exists for most people. Yes, exactly. That's mm. that's what I mean. Yeah. I'm I'm not I'm, I'm not in any way naysaying the product. I'm saying that's why it's difficult like for people to get their heads around that, that this £1,000 yeah. product is a necessary but addition to their rig. In a way, part of it is doing what the Tone Master's doing, but it's easy to say, what does the Tone, the Tone Master twin do? Sounds like a twin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sounds, I, sounds like I, a twin. It's lighter and yeah. it's easy to carve this out. This is like, it, it just does everything. And it does okay. everything very, very well. But unless you know what you need and there yeah. are a lot of people out there you know we've seen things like the ox box the fry up power station all those sort of things come out there as well i, I was actually going to bring up the ox and, and and i think that um the ox box has gone a long way to kind of changing the conversation about what it is that people need and why they need it from their amps and yeah. i think mm. that the tube amp tube amp expander because i remember when this came out you were just like this is the best product this is the best product boss has ever put out and I, I remember you saying that at a time, and I didn't get it. And I, and I think that a lot of people are, you know, like me and idiots. And uh, but we under like Ox, the Universal Audio. I've done a lot for kind of like telling people what these products are, yeah. and I th I think that the 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 tube expander is going to benefit a lot from that as well. It's just you know, there's just more talk about what these things are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you know, absolutely. it's not an amp, it's, but it's also not just an attenuator. Yeah, yeah it's good. Okay, well, that actually that that brings us up. Longest podcast ever. This is a three hour three hour podcast. The, the the worst part is, boys, that you know, whilst a listener, you now get a you a now day get off. A, a day off. We're uh, we're going to take a five minute break and then we're going to start recording episode two. Um, which, uh, if you're listening to this on the day of release, I doubt you've managed to finish this three hour episode <laughs> in one day. Um, it, then this will be out tomorrow. Otherwise, I expect you know it's, it's out already. We are going to be doing. Uh, we're going to be splitting 
uh, tomorrow's podcast between effects pedals for part one, and then for part two, we're going to be doing effects pedals uh, because <laughs> there others. are there are so many effects pedals, pedals and other, yeah, pedals and other. So we're we're going to be uh, we're going to be talking about those in episode two. Thank you very much for tuning in to episode one of Gear of the Year. I hope you've got a good idea from this discussion of what things you were siding with. I'm sure all the hosts are kind of trying to work out who they're going to try to. Um, no, because tactically vote. I think I think <laughs> tactical <laughs> voting. Yeah, very good. Good one, mate. You know, I, I, I mean, I assume we're all talking about last time in Gear of the Year. Exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, just just bear in mind that. Brilliant. Okay, well, uh, uh, we'll uh, catch you tomorrow for more of this guitar nerdery. Cheers, gang. Bye, bye. Well. Bye.